Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. And join with me is the other co-author of the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, as well as the co-author and tools creator uh, with me on the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports for advanced players. How to apply profitable DFS strategies for advanced players. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably an advanced player to some extent. James, uh, it's been uh, this is the 83rd episode of the <laughs> Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports podcast. Uh, almost two years. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that you've been on this show. It is, yeah. I, I was making jokes this morning that I was like, man, I actually get to be on the podcast of uh, something that talks about my own fucking product. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, you are on with me every Monday mm-hmm. on the DFS pregame show on Roto-Grinders. Yeah, which people can find Mondays with McCool, which is fantastic. We, I mean, we talk about all the same things that we have in the book. It's just that we talk about it every single Monday. I, I've always thought there was really no reason for me to uh, necessarily need to be on this podcast, right? Because we talk so much about all of this different kind of stuff every single week that uh, it might be a little bit of overkill depending on what we talk about. Right. So it's like you get, you, you get to be on the Roto-Grinders platform and and I get to – and then why? 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 People already heard us talk again. What are we going to talk? Just talk again? All right. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I guess we could talk. We could switch up the subject. But to be fair, on the uh, on the Monday show, sometimes we don't really talk that much about game theory. Sometimes we talk about the legend of Lars Newbar and his origins in the league, and sometimes we talk about uh, how we can improve baseball. That was a great forty-five minute conversation that I'm sure people were stoked to hear while they were trying to figure out how to make lineups for their MLB DFS. Well, it's, it's guided by the YouTube chat. We're on YouTube. There. <laughs> this is this is a podcast that's recorded, so we're not doing this live. There's no audience, so sometimes the YouTube people, you know, they, they, we go down rabbit holes. They right. ask something, and then it leads to this, and then people want to know, did you see this movie? And then we make fun of that, and then maybe forty-five minutes later, it's like, oh, maybe I hope you learned something. Yeah, yeah. And I think that most people do learn things. I, th- I think that if at the very least, you know, we look at it the same way that we look at DFS. Um, I think that there are a bunch of people that likely watch the Monday show with you and me uh, to learn things. And then I think that there's another subset of people that just do it to be entertained. And that's the same thing with DFS. You know, if your goal is to make money, then that's cool, man. You should follow that goal. But if your goal is just to get down some action and have a $25 entry and get a little sweat, that's cool too, or whatever your goal is. Right, and and your goals you need to define on whether or not, you know, like like this course that we have, the Advanced Players course, which uh, I'm, James, it's getting to the, it got to the point. Like, we're, we're recording this podcast now. I've, I've done two shows on Roto-Grinders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I recorded the whole course over the course of a week. It, it took me a while to outline and brainstorm and get everything in order. Uh, then I had to edit so it means I have to listen to the whole thing again. And then mm-hmm. I need to listen to the whole thing again when it's all edited. Is, is Have you ever heard me say in all this time, I think I'm sick of my own voice. <laughs> I think that uh, that breaks fourth wall, man. Uh, no, it's and, and it's interesting when we when we were doing the uh, the first course, 
and we were both talking to each other constantly. Not only were we tired of our own voices, but we were tired of each other's voices. There were literally two voices that both of us did not want to hear for a good like two months after it was created. And, and I'm sure, I, I mean, the last two weeks where you've been recording, I'm sure that you are as tired of hearing your own voice as I am tired of looking at formulas in Excel. <laughs> because the nested formulas that I am now having to rewrite to try to account for people with support tickets and just like trying to handle all that different kind of stuff. Uh, I, I need a, I need a four day cleanse from Excel. I just, I need four days where I just don't enter a single nested function. I don't have to deal with any of the VBA on the back end where I've already had one support ticket where somebody was like, Hey, well, it says there's compiler. I'm like, fuck, we already have the compile errors that are going to be happening on these fucking VBA macros. Yeah. It's, I totally understand. I get it. Yeah. But that's your thing. You like, you, you love, you love living in Excel. I do. And, and that's your thing is you love hearing yourself talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one interrupts me. So I just keep on going. <laughs> I know. No, we've, we've had this discussion. We had uh, Jordan came down to Nashville uh, for a wrestling event with his wife and uh, Margaret and I were able to go meet them out there for dinner, which is awesome. Um, and we, we, we talked a, a lot about that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it's that when, when people are a little bit more timid, I guess, um, they, they don't want to interrupt somebody who has a presence about themselves and you do have a presence about yourself. And I think a lot of people aren't necessarily intimidated. I don't want to give you an ego by saying that, but I think that like, People just don't know when to talk. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we work well together, by the way, is that I know when I need to talk and like when to try to cut you off, even if sometimes you don't let me. Like, at I least never, I, but I never talk. know that. See, that's the thing. My, my brain works. I never know when to talk. So, so if it's about the subject that that I know something about, like it's going to end up with me being talking a lot. But we had but we had dinner, right? Yeah. Me, you, your wife, my wife. I didn't really talk that much. No, no, only only when prompted about things that mattered. And and that was mostly when you and I were talking, because whenever it was them talking, it was just like, go for it. Y'all right. have the room. Right. If I don't know something, I don't I've I've no opinion about I, I I'm gonna I'm just I'm just sit there and listen. Yep. Yep. That's how it goes. That's how it needs to go. Totally and I agree. hope people would sit down and listen to all the, the hours of audio that I recorded for the theory of daily fantasy sports. They had the advanced the advanced course. Uh, and it's just, it's just me on the recording, mm -hmm. uh, made, made it a little bit easier to edit. And, uh, and you spent all that time, uh, writing, uh, custom Excel tools for, for primarily designed for DraftKings, but I mean, you can use some of them for FanDuel because FanDuel obviously contest CSVs. You can't, what are you going to do? What are you going to, what are you going to try to do there? Uh, and, uh, it, it's, it's been on sale already. So it came out yesterday. We've already had a ton of people. We've already, we've already had multi hundreds uh, buy it and uh, like it. And I I've obviously tested out all of these tools. They're 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 Excel spreadsheets. So I mean, like, if you wanted to go in and edit them and change the formulas and write all the macros and add things, feel free to go and do it yourself. But uh, don't complain when when you break it. You could always you could always re-download the original file from from the course site. So even if anything like that happens, uh. But these tools, I mean, as, as I joked about on the, the pregame show, a lot of this is, uh, in, in a way, 
I mean, I say this jokingly. Uh, I got you to build kind of all, some of the tools that that I've I've been trying to build myself and and have have failed to do so well or in any type of time time efficient manner. So in some way, like if you were to ask me, James, and like and you're like, oh, you know all those tools, the things that you want to see and do, and make your life so much easier, and cut out a half an hour every day of your process, and it costs $195, which is the core, which is the, the, the cost of the, the advanced course. Uh, I would, I would, I would reply back with that gif, the shut up and take my money gif, <laughs> right? That, that little, that little gif over there. Yeah. And because so a lot of the stuff with these tools is like, I, I'll do it manually. I'll use it with an optimizer like lineup HQ, right? There's, there's ways to hack around stuff, right? Some of the things are, are, are redundant. Like, I don't need the hot contest history analyzer. Like, I have Rototractor, right? Mm -hmm. But if I had a small amount of entries, like, I could see the usefulness of it. Or the contest reviewer, if you're using, like, ResultsDB from uh, lineup from uh, from Rotogrinders and you're playing, like, the big field, the main contests, a lot of that information you, you could find there. But let's say people are like, oh, I play the $12 single entry contest all the time, but, like, Rotogrinders doesn't have that, right? It, has, it doesn't have every right. contest in the lobby. It's like, well... What happens if you had your own little results DB that could just export that CSV and throw it? It's like, okay, that's useful for me also. Duplication checker. I wrote my own duplication checker. Uh, it's not very good. Uh, and I have to constantly insert the right columns at the right, like it's just time intensive. It's just, it, it takes me like probably 90 to 120 seconds to do it as opposed to with this tool that takes me seven seconds to do it. Right. right? Cause I don't have to match anything. It's just like cut and paste, cut and paste, ding dong, done. So like if yeah. I want to see how many how how many under twenties under tens under fives that I have in an MMA contest, cut and paste done. Do I want to see anyone else in the contest? I could do that as well, right? And then mm -hmm. I have a prediction matrix of uh, you know if I have before the slate like I calculate that like manually myself and I go through in my spreadsheet and go oh let me put in these six numbers okay that's what that number is let me put in these six numbers and then a half an hour later it's like okay I get a sense of all that, dude I could just do that in your in, in the tool that you made. In three seconds, it just did, yeah. just literally in three seconds. So it's like, okay, even though I got to the right answer, right? The stuff that I wanted with my own process, like, dude, this like, it, it does it, it does it, it does it for me, right? Oh, I have to choose between five NBA uh, cash lineups in basketball. And it's like, well, the ceiling for this is slightly bigger. This is whatever, like maybe, maybe to make my decision easier. I know that my opponents may be playing this one player, so let me take a look at these four lineups, all with that same player, and then just uh, why don't I just simulate twenty five hundred outcomes of the of the of the lineups with the floor and the ceiling? Like I could visualize that in my head, but I mean these numbers t tend to be much more narrow to each other. Do you know mm -hmm. the difference between point eight four on this end and point six seven on that end? Like it's sometimes hard to see. So it's like okay, I'll, let me cut these paste these four lineups right into Excel. And just press a button and say, uh, run, run a sim, run a sim. And, and that one, you don't even necessarily need to press a button. <laughs> you, you just press the button if you want to rerun it. Like it just, it just runs automatically. So. And also, and also, by the way, uh, when I say sims, it's like, oh, 2,500 sims. That must, you must, it must mean that when I cut and paste or press the button, I must press it because it's Excel and my, my, it could be on my laptop, right? It may take. Like, oh, you must like, okay, then you go away, you make breakfast, 
you all that. And then by the time you get back, those four lineups will be fully simulated 2,500 times. It, it's not that. It's literally instantaneous. Like it takes less than half a second. <laughs> so neat. That, that one's that one's a lot of fun too. I, yeah, I, I built basically when Jordan came to me with the idea for putting together the tools for this. He, he basically just kind of buried the lead and reached out and was like, "Hey, do you have interest in like building out tools for a second theory DFS? Have you ever thought about doing that?" And I'm like. Well, not, I mean, not until you literally just said what you want to do, but yeah, like, let's do it because it's that there is a certain part of me that is very strong in my personality of just wanting to work on cool shit. Like that, that's pretty much my entire MO is if somebody comes to me and it's like, Hey, can you do this? I'm like, fuck, I don't know, but let's try, like, let's give it a shot. So when it comes to building out these tools like this, I, I mean, I've worked with people with clients in the industry before where I built out things that were similar in the past to a lot of the things that we did here and that I put together here. So I already kind of had the basic knowledge of, of the framework that I would need to build some of these things like the portfolio trim. I, I built stuff, something that was relatively similar for, for another industry guy before like that. It wasn't the exact thing, but it was close. So building it out again and, and looking at it from like kind of a fresh pair of eyes and thinking, okay, well, what I did with that guy, like what if I was able to do it a little bit better with this? Um, that, and that's also stuff more and more user-friendly as far as yeah. use it in more, more sports and more instances. But the, but the main thing, James, with something like the portfolio trimmer, like you said, like another another DFS player in the industry, it's like I – it was like me. It's like I'd, I'd pay for this. Like if you can, if you yeah. can make it, uh, that it shows that like the concept of why you would use a tool like that is sound. So this is much different than like I could have what I could have done, James. For instance, instead of pay you to do it. I mean, yeah, I didn't pay you to do this. Obviously, we're making sales off of this, so it's almost like I get this for nothing. I actually make money off of you building tools for me. Right. Uh, and you get the audio. Feel free. Have fun. Here's the here's the, here's the audio from the course. Uh, that if I were to try to explain, like, this is what I want done. As someone that is not a, an Excel person, I'm familiar with it. I'm someone that doesn't do VBA. Or if I were to, like, go on whatever, you know, site, freelance site, and like, okay, maybe I could get a programmer from India, Philippines, or something like that. And maybe they can make it for 500 bucks in total. Uh, they don't play DFS. And they may right. not even, even know what the sports are or in general. Like the amount of time it would need you to even explain why the things need to be set up in a certain way. Because they have nothing to reference from. And then at that point, their intuitive sense of why certain things would be one way or another. Mm -hmm. They have no reference point because they don't play DFS. So it's like... Like, oh, I'm going to highlight and make important that this function, and it's like, well, that function actually doesn't really matter that much, right. yet it's the biggest button, and this other function, you have to do four different things in order to accomplish when that's kind of the whole purpose of, like, why we're using this tool in the first place. So, like, you go trying to get it done for, for cheaper than this, or if you were to do it yourself, even if you were, James, if, if someone was uh, as, let's say, for instance the portfolio correlation matrix, which was like probably the most intensive thing. Yeah. Yeah. By far. You did. Okay. So if you just broke it down from start to finish, and I'm not even considering like conceptual time, 
of like thinking even about how this would be set up, but just simply typing things into Excel and format and what and moving things and does this work? Does that work? Running bug checks and all that type of stuff. So from start to finish, how many hours do you think you got it until the point in which which we have it at release? Probably like twelve to fifteen hours, I think. Okay. Like at least, at least uh, on the portfolio correlation matrix. Yeah, just at least. Month. So let's say even if someone had the same skills as you, if you figured that outside of conceptual time, it would take you 15 hours, like how much is that 15 hours worth? Like right. we sell the course for $195. So you and that's just one tool. That's just one. Right. That's just one of the, right. It, everything comes in one, one package. Yeah. So picture that 15 hours divided by 19. I mean, you're talking about what, 14 bucks an hour. I mean, something like, is your, is your time worth more than that? I told I said it multiple times and people are just like, oh, well, you know, I don't put it that way, but I'm going to put it this way. Like I spent 50 to 60 hours, I think on the tools. All right. I charge $50 an hour when it comes, when I work with a private client, when I do coaching, whatever I do 50 bucks an hour. So feasibly just the tools are worth over $2,000. Like that, that's, that's not even an exaggeration. Like I would sell this suite of tools for no less than a thousand dollars. Um, to any private client that wanted the entire suite, right? Now, granted, uh, the, like there's some tools in here that I understand that not everybody is going to use. They're there mostly for ease of access for people who are on the lower end of being an advanced player or being a novice, right? So the the lineup optimizers and stuff like that using Solver. Um, it's, it's not lost on me that most people are not going to use those. That's fine. They're there in case you want them. So if it was somebody who came to me, if it was another pro in the industry who came to me and said, okay, I just want the portfolio trim. I want the duplication predictor and I want the portfolio correlation matrix. I'd be like, all right, 750 bucks. And, that, and that's, I would just cut it there. So just the tools alone are a, a ridiculous value add if you are taking DFS seriously. Right, and, and the, obviously from your perspective, uh, the, the difference is, is that once you did the work once, you don't necessarily have to do it again. Right. So that's, so hence why you could mass produce. It's worth it for you. The 12 to 15 hours are now ex, uh, compounding over time. But in your, in your normal, in your normal work, you're not, you're not building these things for mass consumption. Someone's coming to you and saying, I want someone like me. Imagine me coming to you saying, James, I, I need to, I need to have a better way of trimming lineups. Right. Uh, I've tried to do this myself in Excel and I know you could do it better. So like, give me a quote or let me pay you hourly to build yep. this, this trimmer. And then what you would do is that you would build it and you have some sense. You have obviously with DFX experience. No. Okay. I, I can understand why people would use this and how, how you personally would use the tool. Right. But maybe I have a slightly different process, right? Maybe right. I get files from different things. Maybe I have a, a, a simulation thing that I spit out information with this extra information that no one else has, right? It's not going to come in in a projections file or something. And I want to optimize some things based on that. Well, obviously mm -hmm. you have to add another column. Obviously you're going to have to add that. Maybe it's like, I want to trim. I want to, maybe I want to compare te uh, a set of like 10 lineups inside of these portfolios and simulate them 2,500 times and then pick the top, you know, three of them and then remove the other seven and then continue to trim. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
Okay, I can do that. You could you add another thing. You'll and then I could I could I could customize this and say based on what I want to do this blah 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 blah. And then you will just charge me fifty bucks an hour or whatever. And maybe the whole thing by the end of it costs me like four thousand bucks because I'm adding this and adding that and 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 very custom things. And I'm like, well, I want something separate for MMA. Right, I need an MMA portfolio trimmer because I do this slightly different thing and I want to weigh this 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 way. And I can do that manually, but if I want to do my entire process in six minutes in Excel, right. you could make it happen for me. And my process may be slightly different. Maybe, maybe I already have a, a way of checking dupes or predicting dupes that is slightly different than yours. So I'm like, okay, I want in my in, in I want to be able to input those values here or incorporate there. So, and I want this to be the third part of this process and not start in the beginning. Like all these extra things on my on the, what, custom that what I need, you'd be spending all that time to do and then going here. Now, if you gave that to someone else, they'd go, well, this thing doesn't work. And you go, why not? It's like, well, this, this, this score is empty. You know, these projection files have like columns that don't, ha I don't have that information, right? Per maybe, maybe I use percentile scores, or simulation output scores that show like all the percentile and not just floor and ceiling. Maybe I put distrib distributional aspects into it. Maybe I use binomial coefficients to, to for for the differences between players and lineups, and I add that into like like dude, you'll have all this information. Then like it like dude, it, it's not built for someone that is just using Roto Grinders lineup HQ or something like right. that. That is just like I go to Roto Grinders or stochastic, or insert ETR for football or something, or basketball or golf, and you're like, well, they have projections of players. They have projections of ownership, right? They have a tool for me to plug that in. You go to Fantasy Labs or FC or whatever, and they have a tool that allows me to build a whole bunch of lineups at once using whatever constraints and everything, and I can import and export any information from these tools as possible. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, if you if you have that and there's nothing else that that you need other than that, well, then you could spend 50, you, you could build a portfolio trimmer in 15 hours and say this, this will work with all of them, right? This will, this, this, there's not, nothing else other than these things for you to use here. You, here you use it now to, to be clear, you can match the cut. Like you input the projections, you insert the ownership projections, player projections, your lineups. Like you're, these are general things of cutting and paste. I mean, like it's, you don't have to program anything. It's just cutting and pasting. And just as long as the columns match, you're good. Yeah. We, we have run into some things. Don't, don't, we're promoting the course. Don't run into problems. I understand. I, I'm leading into something. Okay. Good. Leading into something. Good. Okay. So I'm just telling you a good sales technique of the, you put, you don't I, say, okay, oh, that sounds good until uh, I came across 17 problems and. I, oh. I am a notably bad salesman, but that's not the point of what I'm about to say. Um, we, we have ran into some issues with with things where like it has been, uh, here's a specialized instance, right? Where like if I was talking to a client ahead of time, that kind of thing can be caught very, very easily, right? But the beauty of doing things this way and the beauty of doing things with like a widespread reach of people who can then come back and say, hey, but what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Is it makes it better for everyone, right? It's not just that specialized thing where I work with the client and like I got all of that information and then it's just like a super specialized tool. Starting with a generalized tool 
And then being able to work through things and talk with people and say, oh, here was this person's experience. Here was this person's experience. I'm going to add this because of this person's experience. That's what I love to do. Like me as a person, I like to help people. I like to make sure that people have the things that they need to find success. That's my entire MO is like working through with people and figuring out cool things to do with stuff that I've already built or with, or other people have already built. I like doing stuff like that. So that's kind of the beauty of this. This doesn't mean that the tools are broken. No, no, no. It doesn't mean the tools are broken. It means that the tools are always going to be able to be improved by somebody like me with the help of the field and with the help of groupthink and with the help of people being able to work through it. I, I treat I treat everybody who has bought the book like a client. And I treat everybody who wants to send me an email and give me like some some uh, some thoughts or notes or whatever, like being able to have all of that information from a bunch of different sources makes everything better for everyone. And I think that that's a really, really cool thing. And one of the reasons why I was so excited to do this was because it's like, okay, I, I always work with individual clients, right? And I work with some with people who are like, yeah, add this, add this, add this, add this, add this. They have a laundry list. They know what they want. They know what they're going to do. But when you work with people who don't know what they're going to do, then you come in some really, really cool things from a modeling perspective of, oh, I never even thought to do that. I never even considered putting in that kind of a feature. And like you, Jordan, wouldn't consider putting in that kind of a feature because it's not part of your process. So when you have a whole bunch of different people who have different processes coming together and working with a similar generalized tool or function or whatever, it just makes it so it can be so much more robust and so much more, um, it can handle so much more capacity because there are so many different people who are giving you ideas that you've never even thought to have. So James, I have a question. Yeah. Obviously whenever I speak in this tone, that means I already know the answer and you're just going to, you're just going to, this is rhetorical. I get uh, it. I'm right. It's completely rhetorical and you're going to answer it. And I'm, I'm kind of like, like setting you up, right. Just behind the scenes. I'm, I'm doing the setup thing. Uh, so, so uh, the fact that you're saying it's like, Oh yeah. If uh, people encounter something in their process, it's like, yeah, for me, uh, I'm you know the type of thing would be that uh, yeah I use this other site and it has this uh, this other way of like formatting something, and then I could cut and paste these things properly and have the tool the tool works, but it takes me one extra step. Like, is there a way to like eliminate that step? Like, can you can you change something in the tool so like I could just do this and stuff? Like, that's the type of the efficiency type of stuff is what can is is what you're looking to Im- to improve, but. Like, how do I benefit? You say, you say, James, that, you know, okay, you go, I'm going to go buy the course, right? I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to download the, the, the Excel tools. I'm going to open up the Excel tools. I'll be like, okay, this is how I use this. We have video tutorials. So you have a video tutorial for every tool. And it shows exactly what to put, what to put there and everything like that. And then uh, let's say in the next three months, like, like, you, you know what, in that, in, in the duplication checker, like, I think it, based on some feedback, I think it's better to display the information this way instead of that. I think that's just faster, right? It's the, you could still do it this way, just you, maybe you have to press the sort column instead. And I don't know why we never thought of just having it automatically sort by this because that's what you would normally be looking at anyway. So other people are saying, it's like, yeah, the only thing I ever have to do is just sort this. And you go, okay, why don't I just make it easier and make it so that it's just automatically sorted. But I already downloaded the, the 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 Excel tools. Like, like if you change that, like, how 
Like, how does that help me? Well, the beauty of this is you can always just re-download it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have already, uh, and, and we will send out emails. If there's, um, a, if there's anything major, if there's like, like if it's a, every little small thing like that, maybe not. But when there's a major update of like, hey, here, you should, you, you should go back and yeah. download at least one of the, like, okay, we, we changed something significantly in the portfolio correlate animations that may make it easier for you. Please go yeah. and, and download it. But if it's like small little things here and there that you're not even encountering or anything like that, maybe we don't send up any, it gets updated. You could go back if you want every day to go back and redownload everything. You feel free to do so. And but, honestly, I, I think that most people probably should. Like, I don't, I don't, are you going to worth the time to do that? I, I think weekly. Uh, well, so here's the thing. Like, I, I think the dev support is really important because I come from the esports world, right? Like, I, I come from video games and I come from from tournaments and esports stuff like that. So, uh, one thing that is really, really valuable is when a company gives uh, post-launch dev support to a game that is really, really good. And like that team is looking at the game and looking at the game environment, and looking at the at the competition rules and stuff like that and really reassessing those things frequently. Um, League of Legends, for instance, has a patch every two weeks, right? Like they they are constantly trying to game balance and, and every two weeks they have a new patch. With these tools, now I don't think that it is going to be every single week for the next year. I don't think it's going to be like you should go and re-download every single day for the next like ever, right? But I do think that especially over the next like two, three months and maybe leading into new sports, like maybe when, when NBA is going to launch and stuff like that, I don't think there's anything wrong with re-downloading and just being like, oh, okay, well, maybe I've ignored every single email from James and Jordan about this kind of thing, but you know, there might be something new that's been, been updated or I, I've been having this issue and maybe they've fixed it, stuff like that. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong unless you are doing work on your own on the tool, which again, I implore people to do, like go break shit and like go remake things, like please go have fun. Um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with re-downloading a fresh one once every week or so, just to make sure that you have the most updated version. Because I, as a dev, and, and as somebody who uh, who does really care about people and like these tools, I'm gonna be looking at these things. And as people are sending in support tickets, I'm gonna be looking at things and saying, okay, well, how can I maybe improve this? Or, or maybe, I, I guess I didn't think about this Maybe I should do it this way. Like I'll be relatively frequent on trying to put together updates and it's not going to ever change the core functionality. The core functionality of the tools is what it is. And, and we're very, we're very straight that they are not going to change from a core functionality standpoint, but from a UI standpoint and maybe from a, uh, an ease of use standpoint, or maybe from a, um, a tool capacity standpoint, maybe those things are going to be updated day or week or whatever, uh, just because if people are finding that it's easier to do things one way or it can't account for something that I didn't foresee, I'm always going to be looking for ways to fix that because I, I want people to be happy with product. So since, since we released this yesterday, mm -hmm. have you already made an update? Yes. <laughs> so even, <laughs> me, even I, the, the tools that I have in, in my in, in, right now are technically an older cool. copy. Technically, yeah. Right. So here's here's the thing. Uh, so I don't even I don't even have the update. No, you don't and, even and, have the and update. But if I opened up my tools, 
and all them that 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 that, that we released, which is said there's seven main mm-hmm. tools, sing, the single lineup optimizers, the lineup simulator, the portfolio trimmer, the portfolio correlation matrix, the duplication checker, the contest reviewer, and the contest history analyzer. We're going to talk a little bit in detail about about one or two of them for this episode, uh, but obviously all the tutorials and everything you could you could get when you buy it'll. Explain on the site, theoryofdfs.com. It'll show you a small, you know, what, what it looks like and what it does. Uh, is it the update that you sent, that you updated on our site? Because you have access and you just up, read, upload it with the same file name. Uh, if I would have just, pl- if I would have played the MLB slate today, yeah. uh, do, you, do you think that if I use the, the files that I have here, that I would even notice that? There would be enough that would it stop no. me from doing? Would it stop me from doing anything that you think that I'm I'd be doing with these tools? It would not stop you. It would not affect you at all. All that it is is, and we we talked a little bit about this, but it's fixing something that was unforeseen that couldn't have been seen that like we couldn't have caught beforehand. Mm-hmm. You and I, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and specifically, the only update that I have sent in is for the lineup simulator. And that was adding in that users will want to, if they are using specific uh, projection sets and specific lineup sets, then they now need to go and get the DraftKings and FanDuel CSVs for the slate that they are looking at so that we can actually like use those lineups. So it what it is and that, is... And, that, and, and the reason for that is that uh, not all projection sources are created equal and format things equally. The reason for that is, is that some companies are really lazy with the way that they put out their exploits. And I'm not going to like put anyone on blast here, but get your shit together. Like I, I, I hate more than most things, really, really lazy coding. And the, one of the core issues so far um, in terms of usability for a certain subset of people who have purchased tools is that they are using the company that I am referencing here or companies, I should say there's two of them. And uh, that their in, their inability to use the tools comes directly from those companies being lazy. And I couldn't account for something that I thought was mind-blowingly dumb when they came to me with these issues in the support tickets. So I had to go in and I have fixed the logic in the lineup simulator specifically, but the rest of that logic is also going to be accounted for in anything where you have to upload a portfolio. So there will be hot fixes like that, and especially in the first like week past launch, right? Every you ask any any dev in any field, any tech developer, and like the first week, that they're just gonna get bombarded with like, well, why the fuck does that happen? You know, like like what I, I had somebody who sent me a support ticket saying, hey, did you know that the printer driver is being called here? And I'm like. What the? Why the fuck would the printer driver even be referenced? Right, it doesn't affect the person or anything. It just yeah. wanted to let you know that I don't know why the printer driver is being called here. It's just like, it's like, why is this happening? It's the weirdest thing, and that that kind of thing happens. First week is always going to have that stuff, but but I will say that from a launch perspective and from a dev launch perspective, uh, so far we've had like a ninety five percent plus success rate with the tools. And like only five percent support tickets, and that's really good. Yeah, that's especially- for, for 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 a first day. I, yeah, because I, I used to do uh, uh, front end design and UX for stock trading sites. Yeah, and we yeah. would use we would because and we were part of a dev team that 
Like if you if you used a stock trading site back in like 1999, most likely it was the the team of I was part of like the team like there was like 40, yeah. 47 different sites that all used very similar back same development. Uh, whenever a new bank and new site and new whatever and a new new design interface because they'd be refreshed every three months or so, uh, the first 24 to 48 hours, uh, essentially. Uh, you may you may be working until midnight, right? Mm-hmm. Because what'll end up happening is like you could go through all the QA you can, right? You could go through all the focus groups even. Sometimes on for the bigger clients, there were I mean for big banks, I mean we're talking about stuff like TD Ameritrade, like the original yeah. version of TD Ameritrade. They would have literal we'd have videos of people using because the screen capture. This is way back before when if you to record that as data would be ridiculous. So they would have actual tapes, VC, VC, VCR tapes yeah. of the back of people's heads and them <laughs> using the site and see, it's like, oh, people think that they could type that thing in over there. And I didn't realize that people would think that. And we found that 4% of people do, right? Yep. So, and that's going to cause this error. And then they're going to issue a, they're either going to arg and go somewhere else. Or, or are we just going to get increased support tickets? Now, I wasn't part of support. I'm just part of the development team. But one of the goals as part of the development team is to not overburden your customer support team yeah. with tickets if you could prevent it. So either by verbiage or by the way something works or anything like that. So like I, between me and you, I look to optimize for that experience. And I, it's not like I don't care about improving the tools or anything, but how can we make this clearer? So, like, for instance, uh, you know, I'm going through all these tools. I know Excel, like, I could figure this out. If it's like, okay, this seems counterintuitive, but I know I could just cut and paste that over there and it'll work, right? Mm-hmm. And if I wanted to, I could probably, probably move all this reference over there and then, then it'll be fine. That's like, But that's a, nor- a normal user. Like, I'm an intermediate user, and, right. like, I could probably screw that up in that process. But for a more beginner user of Excel, like, they're just used to, like, oh, I just bring it up for my accounting type of thing. They don't actually use any of the like the functionality behind it. Uh, they just see things in cells and columns and rows. And it's like, okay, well, I can cut and paste this number into that space. Is, is that how I is that how I do it? And then it I have to approach it from a QA standpoint, because that's why I went through all these tools. And and you change a lot of stuff before release because we had to like let's separate this out so it's consistent on all the tools, right? So people know that. You know the, the screen where you insert your projections? It'll always say insert projections. It'll always be a separate screen, even though the information may be copied elsewhere. But you know that you just click on the tab that says insert projections. You see the dummy projection, so it gives you some reference of what what your file should kind of look like, right? And then you click, press a big button that says clear. If the button wasn't there, people may go and delete the rows. And then, uh-oh, right, of course. So you put that there, right? Because you have to test it. And then... You go to your projection source and you cut and paste whatever. Since uh, we are more affiliated with Roto Grinders, and I use Roto Grinders, we have uh, by default just made all the column headers match Lineup HQ. So if you use Lineup HQ, if you use Roto Grinders exports of anything, uh, you literally never have to match anything because it's completely, it's one to one, absolute one to one. So you did you. you Feel free, and you never have to worry. And it's it's for these other outputs of like 
okay, well, then they have to cut these three columns over there. Can we make this quicker, right? But it's you have to go through the tool as, as a user. So I, I remember, since we're sharing behind-the-scenes stories, why not? This is like the, the, yeah. the, behind the, the, the development of or whatever. I think maybe people are interested. Maybe they're not. Who cares? It's our podcast, right? <laughs> you've, waited 83, you've waited 83 episodes to come on. Let's at least talk about a subject that you're the subject matter expert on. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. Right, because we're really talking about stuff that you're the expert on, not me. I mean, we're not talking about game theory. We're not talking about anything like that. But I can come to you like a normal user in the same way that people come to me as a normal DFS player. Right. But, like, there was there was a, in the in the contest reviewer, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember the first version he sent to me. Like, there's a, on the box A1 or whatever at the top, it would say the person's name, Right. And obviously there would be a separate sheet that says uh, import contest CSV. And that's where you cut and paste the entire contest CSV. So I'm like, okay. So I cut that, paste the contest CSV. And then I go here and it, and you by example had, had a name there, had a user's name. There are five. Yeah. Initially you can look at five players next. Right. You apply. Right. And that those names were created. You could go to another part and input the names that say frequently viewed. So like, because most of the time you'd be using the contest reviewer to study a certain set of players. And as you add more, your maybe yourself is on the list. And then you go, okay, I'm going to study these three players in all of my contests. And then go, oh, I found four more. So let me add those four to the list. Yeah. And so that's, I understand why you would do that. And thank you for adding the ability rather than me having to having to put them in every single time. So that's beautiful. You, pre, you predicted that, you got it. But since there's, from a visual perspective, there is a box that has a player's name in it next to that thing I just thought I go through the. I don't have that person on the list. I go through the CSV and I go, uh, well, Squatter Patrol's not on my list, so I could add him to my list and then select him. But shouldn't it be quicker if I just? Why don't I just type his name in the box that has the person's current name that's over there? So I did that, and then nothing fucking happened. Yeah. And and I'm like, like I didn't think it was broken. I just thought, am I not supposed to do that? It looks like I can do that. It looks like I'm. I could see other people thinking that you could do that. Mm-hmm. And then I had to come back yeah. to you and say, uh, you, we got to make, we got to make this clear. I mean, even though I don't want people to send, uh, it doesn't work because I typed in the name. It's like, Oh no, you have to add, like, I want to save you that from my perspective, I'm looking to save you time. Cause I, I could, I figured it out. I think, okay, then I'm just going to add his name to the frequently used. It's like, but I think, I think there's a better way of doing this. Right. In case you want to pick out some thing, and then what you did. Yeah, and and it's possible. Things like that, like I I always say that it's really, really hard as as a model builder to test your own models. It is really, really hard, Uh, and tools especially. Like it's really hard as a tool builder to test your own tools because you know exactly how you're supposed to use it. So until you hand it off to somebody who like doesn't know the exact back end of how it was built. You're never going to know if you, if how to break it, like, and, and that whole thing, when we were talking about the, uh, the contest reviewers, it went through multiple iterations, right? Like the first time that I sent it over to you, you're like, no, this is shit. This the, like, we, we can't use this. It, it's way too convoluted. There's way too much going on. And I, I remember we were going over it and you were like, yeah, I mean, you have these five people here, but it's like, what if I wanted to look at somebody else? And I, and I interrupted you. I was like, you just type in their name and you pause for a second. You're like, Oh, uh, okay. Well, I, I mean, still, like, what if you wanted to see, like, this, this, or that? Like, what if I wanted to see the lineups? You should be able to see the lineups. I'm like, Jordan, 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 Jordan. Scroll to the right. And then you scroll to the right, 
and there's all their lineups, right? And it's like player one, lineups, player two. But it wasn't like I knew all those things were there. But to a to a user who had never used the tool before and had not built the tool, I wouldn't have thought to look had, there. I didn't even. Yeah, think you had no look. idea. You had no idea that you're supposed to write in the names. You had no idea that you're supposed to scroll all the way to the right past like the ownership tables. Like you didn't know those things, and that that's why I always tell my I always say that I'm a way better back end worker than front end worker because I don't know how to make UIs that people are like into. Like, I, don't, I don't know that stuff, so. That that was that's always a fun experience in the in the dev cycle, right? Also with the buttons. Also, I'm like, you should make the buttons even if it's if it's redundant in the order that someone would actually use them, so they so they get in the habit of cut and paste, hit the button, cut and paste, move to the next sheet, hit the button, cut and paste, like where it's not it doesn't change from two to like if you're gonna open up the the contest trimmer, and it and. You load lineups here. You know, if, if you need to load the lineups in, because you cut and paste, right? You clear, cut and paste projections, cut and paste lineups, clear, cut and paste lineups. Then you like load into portfolio manager. The load into portfolio manager button should be on the place where you, you paste in your lineups. I mean, like where you, cause right. Cause right. Cause you may cut and paste. Okay. I'm done with that. I'm going to go to this one. And then these, then how come that information isn't here yet? And it's like, no, no, you need to, load into the portfolio manager. I'm like, well, you need to add a button for it. It's like, well, there's already a button on this other page. It's like, well, the button should be on both pages then, right? Yeah. But it's redundant if you do that. I know, but some people are going to think <laughs> to do it right after, and some people are going to change the sheets and do it on that. So let's cater to both of them, even though it's technically redundant. I think it'll right. make it easier for more people, right? And then then we had uh, on, the, on the lineup simulator, uh, like we're talking about the, these are the types of things that are get updated. So I, I want to kind of highlight that it's like, uh oh, I may have the broken version. There's no broken. There's no broken version of right. anything, right? Uh, it's these little improvements. So like on the lineup simulator, uh, you have the sims run like automatically as the lineups get entered, like which is great mm -hmm. from an efficiency standpoint, even though it only takes half a second. Uh, so you input the lineups on one page because it would make more sense, James, in the lineup simulator for you to just cut and paste the lineups into the ten slots on the first page. Yes. Right. That that would make the most sense because you don't need to have a second page, right? You just have to have a page with the... Hey, the first page could have all the projections also, right? Mm -hmm. To the side. It could all be on one page. But if you don't scroll all the way over and know that it's going to be over there, you may go, where the hell do I do this, right? Right. So let's make it a separate sheet. For you and me, we'd just rather have it on one sheet, right? Truthfully, mm -hmm. okay. So the insert of the, the projections on one sheet needs to happen. And then the lineups in some tools... You could edit, you could put it right in the main page. And in some tools, you don't want that to happen because you're displaying different information. So you have to put it on one page and then it, then it moves it over and displays in the way that it should. Well, that's different between two little tools. So like, so you're telling me that on one tool, I could go right directly into the main page and the other tool, I need to go to a separate sheet. Why don't we just make it that you always need to go to a separate sheet, right? So you right. never get confused. You know that your lineups, like if you're looking at the main page, don't, don't fucking edit your projections and don't edit your, like, you just do it on the other page. So on, like, the lineup simulator, like, yeah, you could paste the, the lineups right into the, but let's make, okay, so you paste it into the other sheet, which all that does is just reference and just put it in the other spot. But once it puts it in the other spot, uh, it, it runs the simulation and you see it. And then the original version, that's it. And I yeah, said, well... What happens if I want to rerun the simulation? Now, obviously, I figured out 
that as long as you edit anything, it'll just re- as long once the cell changes, it'll just rerun it again. So I could I could go to my I could go to a, to a, a lineup, and literally just kind of like press space, right? I could go to the randomness number and just make it and just type it in again. I mean, I don't even have to change it. I just have to and just literally edit, alter the document in any fashion. We'll run the simulation again. But uh, let, let me tell you, uh, people will just stare at the screen and go, I'd like to run it again. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> do I? And then think maybe that they have to recut and paste their lineups in again. It's like, oh, I guess this only works when I paste my lineups in. So let me go and paste it in again. It's like, that seems like excessive work to do yeah, you know for, for, for no reason. Why, why can't we just put a button and rerun Sims? And I did. Uh, looked at that and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> the, uh, the button that I put in, the code that it's running, it's literally just like copying cell A13 and pasting it. <laughs> it's not doing anything cool. It's literally just a button that you're just copying and pasting a blank cell on the page. <laughs> it reruns all the sims. It's so funny, man. Code is, is, is so that, stupid. It, it, would that also be hilarious to other people that do this type of stuff that would be like I, I hope so. I hope so. Because it's hilarious to me. When you when you put that in, like I went into VBA, I was like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna copy this random cell." <laughs> well, what, what happens, well, Aaron, James? We're gonna get a an, a, a point oh oh one outlier thing uh, that someone actually puts data in that cell, <laughs> and then it doesn't rerun it. What cell is it? God, I don't remember. I, I don't remember. It's on the page. It's it's just a white. It's just a blank cell. It's just completely blank that I just have it every single time that you hit refresh Sims, it just copies and pastes that cell. <laughs> it's so funny. So so we, we once we figure out the cell, we could put a big disclaimer on the side. It's like do not edit scale cell cell <laughs> GH four thirteen sheet. Like M nineteen or something like that. It's just a completely ubiquitous cell that doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I know how ridiculous that is because you're you're making a button that looks like it's it's like oh providing an actual function that's doing something and it's it's mostly saying it's like you know the byproduct of uh, of editing a cell reruns everything. Let's think, recreate think that. Right. I, I want you to think about this for a second. From like somebody who does not know about how to build models or run simulations, and, and like they when you hear that somebody is like oh yeah this this spreadsheet runs 2,500 simulations of these lineups up against each other based on a deviation between their floor and ceiling. And this is the outcome of it. And somebody presses that button and they're just like, man, this is a really magical button that's running these 2,500 things. <laughs> just copy and paste. <laughs> You're right. It's so funny. Uh, and like I can be clear oh, I, I, I've never laughed as much about TFS before because I understand as a front end developer how ridiculous because the same thing happens in JavaScript like I there's like you're you're checking for someone putting in a stock trade or something like that and it's basically it's checking between certain numbers and then giving you like like oh you put in these 14 stocks and based on whatever these are the exact values of what you should be buying and selling and whatever like that. And all it, it's, 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 it's JavaScript. It's, this isn't good. These aren't hard calculations and they go really, especially back in like 99, 
Like, this is done in your browser. This is not a server-side thing. This is a browser-side thing. And so many people were used back then, especially, that a lot of these calculations would need to be done back-end. So when things were done with JavaScript, like, in their browser side, they're like, wow, this this site is fast or whatever like that. It's like, if you, if, if you, knew, if you knew what this code looked like, like, it doesn't reload the... It's like, dude, it's... it's like you could do this in Lotus one two three. I mean, like this is not complex yeah. stuff. It look, but the thing is, is that from a user interface standpoint, we make it look like it did. Right. Right. That's like you make point. you have you have the the we we would have a a, a page back then. You did use CGI. I mean, this is old school web development that you'd put in the information. It would load a screen that kind of says like, please wait as we because most of the functions of the site when you're actually making a trade requires back-end, requires server-side, it has to connect and whatever, and then it'll give output. And then, obviously, back then, there's no, there was no, you know, there's no, this is even before ASP. Like, you couldn't do that browser-side, so you always had to load a new page in HTML in order to show new input, no, show new output. You couldn't dynamically do that with a blob or whatever the hell you would do. Uh, so we had to, anytime you press that button, it would load the next page, right, and then, then the next page would have the export. Right. And because people were used to that, right? And why is this one thing? Because we're still showing different information. So we recreated that, pro even though, like, we could have showed it on that screen as it is, right? Very quickly. But no, what, what we do is send it to the next page via CGI and then load all the information into the, into the browser to calculate rather than even use the CGI. So essentially we're loading the, we're, we're directing you to the old page again, <laughs> just with the information calculated, right? That we could have done immediately. And uh, I remember when we were doing that, uh, we did it at the, we originally did it at the same, with the same length of time as, uh, as a trade. And the trade may take three or four seconds to go through, but this t is like instantaneous. So we had to program in the CGI to just basically wait three or four seconds, right? <laughs> so we had to, to make it to make it consistent. But then uh, the the feedback that I gave personally, this was a personal uh, thing, was is that is that better for users? It's like anyone that wants to know this information. I mean, this is stock. These people are day trading. People are, like if we have the ability to give it to them in one second rather than four. Wouldn't they want to know? Like, even though they don't realize that we can, mm -hmm. right? Isn't it better? For, isn't it better for the the users, right? Uh, and I was able. Uh, originally, it was no. It was that's not our our concern. It's like it, it takes what it takes, right? We don't. Want, and the, the 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 prevailing notion was that the quicker and quicker we make it, the more people would expect how quickly. And they think that well, if that worked that quickly, why aren't trades working that quickly? And I can right. see that from a benefit, but we're arguing and it's like, well, how, how do we change this? And then we'd had user groups, right? We did this with user groups. Uh, literally like I, I, I'm making, I'm making a CGI, a Pearl, a Pearl document mm -hmm. that essentially is, I want you to be, <laughs> this is how fucking stupid. I want <laughs> you, this, this is what I had to work on for an entire day. Look how stupid this sounds. And I had to test it on multiple browsers, multiple computers. I had to test it on everything uh, to load the page quick enough 
for that a user could reasonably read it and then redirect to the next page. <laughs> right? Because I could make it in Perl that it, re it redirects to the next page and then the next page immediately. So it loads all the HTML and all the assets, but it's so quickly that a user just sees basically a flash of light. Right? Because it's just going ding, 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 and reload it again. Yeah. And you can't even see. You, you'd look and go, like, what, did a camera flash go off? Like, it just looked like it just redirected twice type of thing. And it's like, no, we have to we have to show the screen of please wait a moment and and blow and the and the, the the status bar type of thing and it's like well how long do we have that screen up for well if we have it for too short people aren't going to realize they're going to think that's a glitch because it's so quick and it's like but if it's too long then it's still four seconds and we shouldn't be doing that that's the fucking it so I, i'm there i i view it very similarly to the to the i'm 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 working with functions that yeah. are meant to simply pause the amount of time of a reload of a page of when the next page should be loaded. But that time is all related to how fast the browser loads the page. So I don't know that information because I'm not, I'm not able to receive that information. So that, that's the fun. It's like to me, maybe it's not as, to me, it's not as funny as your, as, as your like, Oh, it all does that. But imagine like, Oh, when you press, when the user presses the button on the site and this thing works way faster than a trade, yeah. they're, they, they're going, Oh my God. Yeah, oh my this god, is this is so, so quick. quick! And I'm like, dude, it's even quick. It actually, we could do it quick. Like, like it's, it's actually <laughs> not impressive at all, right? We can even show you on the first page and without you reloading anything. Yeah, it's it's literally it is it's the uh, the illusion of this incredible thing that's happening, and uh, the back end developer is just like these fucking people. Right, and that, that's the back of the back end people that I deal with. Typically, that that was their yeah. attitude. Back end people are the worst. Ba oh, back yeah. end back end people are like hermit guy, hermit people that are very typically very always in bad moods, and the front end people are typically the happy, the happy people. They're like, oh look, I made something that looked good and works good and whatever like that. And the back end person is like, yeah, it looks good, but I got to do all this X Y Z thing, whatever <laughs> like that, in order for make it to look like that. So like I'd I'd much rather I understand it this way. It's like yeah, but users don't. It's like you know, what? Why do you care so much? And the backend people are like, oh, screw the users. So, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm exactly. just gonna, I just want to pump out this information in the proper form or whatever. And the front end people are like like oh, isn't it all? Doesn't everything look nice? It's like it doesn't look like it's in the back end. You don't you don't know what my ass looks like. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Did, did you so do you feel, did you feel like that with me when I came to you and said you got I think you got to move this over there or I or I did something in the sheet that it's like oh shit I didn't like that you're not are you really supposed to do that and I'm like I I didn't know not to do that <laughs> right no no I mean to be honest I thought it was gonna be way worse like I I thought that I was gonna build out these tools and that I was gonna build out the back end to it. And that you were going to come back to me and be like, yo, no, this is like, it cannot look like an actual Excel sheet. Like it has to look like something that looks almost like a web page. No. And I was dreading that. Oh, because oh, you, you, you know my front end experience. Yeah. Right. I, I thought you were going to come back and be like, like you fucking tore apart Pater DFS and like made me redo the entire site over the course of a fucking week. Like I, I thought it was going to be like that. So I was prepared for that of oh yeah, I'm going to have to do a really big UI overhaul on the front pages on these. And then it turned out to be like, oh no, you just need to make sure things are consistent. And I'm like, 
That's awesome. I can do that. That's right, not even still, hard. It's still Excel. Uh, the expectation when you open Excel is expecting to see something that looks like Excel. If we were going to do yeah. something that wasn't going to look like Excel, we would have made it a website. I mean, then we would have just made it wouldn't be running in Excel. We'd run stuff in the back. I mean, like, so to me, the UI doesn't have to look like an application or a website. It's, dude, you still need to cut and paste projections into cells. So, like, you're going to be dealing with cells and columns. If you're an advanced DFS player and you think that you're going to avoid spreadsheets, I'm like, like, you're not, you're not. You're like, you're like, you need to, I mean, if you're not comfortable with spreadsheets, then... And simply just like, just what it is. I mean, like, we're not even talking about comfortable. Like, I don't even know how to add two cells together. It's like, you don't even have to know that. Just comfortable yeah. knowing that, oh, tabulated, what tabulated data looks like. That's it. All you need to do is know how to copy and paste. I, I mean, that's like, that's... Oh, type in the keyboard. And type, uh, sure, yeah. I mean, so, technically so, you don't. If you wanted to change a, a threshold on something and choose it to, oh, 49.5 yeah. lineups, obviously you need to know what numbers are. I mean, like... But if you didn't want, if you just want to set by default or whatever, like you would never need to do anything else. Right. Yeah. We we tried to make it as simple as possible. Uh but the but the the portfolio correlation matrix. Yeah. Uh, that I think that's the most advanced. Especially, it's it's at least James. It's at least the most advanced looking tool. Yes, it is absolutely the most advanced looking tool. Um, and I do think that when it came to building the things out, it was like, I had to use a lot more math on that than I had to use on other things. That, like that, when it that came, doesn't, that doesn't make you sound very good. That means you didn't have to use math on the other ones. No, I mean, I had to use math on everything, but I had to use a lot more math when it came to correlation matrix because I had to worry about our two values and I had to worry about correlatives and I had to worry about like when it came to putting putting together the formula for like a portfolio's diversity, like I had to do actual math to, to do that. Whereas like with the other ones, that is there was a, a lot- Is there a biplane flying near you? What, what's going on in the back? No, somebody is, is here mowing our lawn, I guess. I'm not really sure what, we, we have a lawn mowing service right. and I didn't exactly expect him to be going here right now, but we're gonna work through it. We're yeah, be so okay. it just, it sounds, it sounds like, you know, one of those two biplane, yeah. you know, near, yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just, just like uh, right near the airport. But for the most part, yeah, the portfolio correlation matrix was the most complicated to build. And what's its purpose? Because I, to me, to me, that's why I wanted to talk about the portfolio. I, I think, okay, to go through the tools of what is available, because this, this, this show is not associated with any other site, right? On Rotogrinders, you can understand why I may not mention other sites, even though I may look at other sites. Like, it's, I'm not keeping that a secret. It's just that I'm not going out of my way to, to that because it's part of Rotogrinders. I mean, I'm just, just being bluntly honest there, right? Uh, I may say, oh, I look at other sites, but I may not mention them. Uh, if we look at around the industry, at the tools that are available. So we have sites like Rotogrinders, right? We got uh, Fantasy Cruncher, right? We got uh, Fantasy Labs. We got uh, ETR, but they don't have tools. It's just the projection sources and data sources. Uh, although there's tools, their ones work better with labs. Uh, you got other places that just have projections, right? I mean, there are other content sites that come out with that type of data to use. Uh, but then you have SaberSim, right? So you have a, a lot of these. Am I am I am I missing missing out on any? I mean, like Stochastic has like the data, but they use Fantasy Cruncher. 
Right. right. As far as inputs and exports and stuff like that. And then tools that are available to use to manipulate this data. Oh, I'm going to put in my projections and do X. Like SaberSim has their proprietary simulation stuff. Hey, run the Sims, right? It may not yep. be an optimizer or anything, but you go to Justin's site and you could put in whatever. Sports Dash Projections, that guy we had on the show, that, that the duplicate contest reviewing and duplication checking you have roto tracker for contest history analysis right you have there are places to do some of these things so like going through the tools obviously the contest history analyzer is roto tracker so if yeah if you have roto tracker i mean this is duplicating that this is the redundant to that so it exists in the industry right to some extent Maybe you prefer to use this over that. I don't think you should be using Rotor. Rotor Tracker is the best. You right? should be using it. Right. And especially if you have uh, 500,000 rows. I mean, like, that. if you're if you're a serious player playing for profit, like, you're using, you're, you've got, you already are, have been using Rotor Tracker for years. Right. Yeah. It, now, if you're someone that plays once a week or something like that, or a very small, or you want to just analyze very small samples, right? You don't have that much of a need to pay X dollars a month or whatever a year for you know more than twenty five thousand entries rows and in, in your yeah you can use this right that's perfectly fine it gives you it gives you similar information rotor tracker looks a little prettier that's the only difference okay yeah. so the contest reviewer is very similar to Ro uh, results db or lineup rewind in in mm -hmm. at fc uh but it's all it's all related to like what what they have right not all the con like if you if, dude you could contest review a three a three a, the five man contest. I mean, like, yep. right? Like, anyone, as long as you have a contest CSV, you could have a, hey, you have a contest CSV of a, a contest you didn't even enter. That's perfectly mm -hmm. fine. Just any contest CSV. And then in that, in that contest reviewer, like, it, it shows pretty much the same information as results DB of like, here's this and that, and here are their lineups. But the, the thing that it doesn't in results DB, in this contest reviewer, you could also upload your projections. Right. Right. Or any type of, hey, dude, the actual numbers, right? Here are the results of the actuals. I mean, just whatever. And then you could see the projected projection and ownership in the, of every, of computing of every lineup in the contest as well as in each people's portfolio. So it does a little bit something extra. Lineup, uh, re, uh, uh, results DB will show you their lineups and will show you their actual scores. Right? Oh, that, that, this guy scored 21 points, but he was projected for 12. Right, it's not going to show you that. It's going to show the price. It's going to show you the actual results, the actual outcomes, but not the projected stuff that you have. Right. So as, if you, as long as you import your that information, it'll show that in the contest reviewer. So that's a little bit extra. But that type of function of reviewing contests exists in the industry. So it's like it's, this is not something that's groundbreaking of a tool. The duplication checker that exists in the industry, right? Much mm -hmm. harder to find, right? I don't think any sites offer something specific like that other than sports dash projections. Maybe maybe FC does to some extent, but I don't use FC. Uh, so it's a little bit less prevalent, but still you can find it. You could find a GitHub thing if you if you know what you're doing. I mean, that to do this, you could do it in Excel. It's not complicated. The duplication predictor as part of that, I don't think there is in the industry. Even though it's not, not in that exact form, but it's not something that's like groundbreaking. No, and, and I do think I, I will say that the formula that I developed for it is better than what most people do. Um, so I will just toot my horn on that. 
And what that does is just like, especially in Showdown, MMA, like the small field stuff, you wouldn't use this for 15 game MLB slates. Is yeah. uh, you put in the ownership, you put it, you just you don't even need the projections. You don't need anything. You just need the ownership column in the in the in the file, and and your lineups or any amount of lineups uh, that are, and it'll just basically based on the salary and the ownership, try to predict depending on the size of the contest, which you could change. 30,000 entries, 300 entries. Try to predict based on the ownership product and the salary constraints. Like how many how many duplicates should you expect of this lineup in that contest on average to some extent? And that doesn't really exist in the industry in that very simple form. It you can make it. And there's people who like will kind of be able to do it ad hoc. Right, I show, but, I show it on the RG show on, on Friday yeah. a lot of times. It's like, this is how we figure out what combinations are the most useful and how many dupes most likely. Yeah. And I put it into my little spreadsheet in, in, in a program. Like, this makes it much. Dude, I don't even have to do that process. You're right. essentially doing that process for me, right? And then I can just cut and paste and go, okay, now I'm sorted by that. So I don't even have to go through. And then I could look. I can actually take those and put them in the portfolio correlation matrix and then see what yeah. combinations of players are actually part of the highest duplicated lineups. But that's that's a, that's a, we'll talk about that at some not not on today's show, but that'll be part of strategic content in the future. So so uh, after the duplication stuff, you still have the, the you have the lineup simulator, right? That doesn't really exist. I mean, you could there there are other sites that have something that you could you could run like oh I want to see. I mean, technically. If you add bear, if you add randomness, and you just say I just want to build the top ten default lineups, or some that you know that you always get the same lineups all the time, you could kind of run and say you could press the button twenty five hundred times, right? I mean, like you could technically do it, right? Sure. Right, and and I'm sure that like maybe so I think Saber Sim has a function that is similar to this, mm-hmm. uh, but not exact. But I mean. Like, so there's nothing that does it exactly this way as simple for you to use. I don't know whether or not you view it as useful. How you use it is up to you. Uh, But it's not like it doesn't exist, right? Like, this is the type of thing where it's like, like, no one came up, no one even thought about this type of thing, right? So the lineup simulator in and of itself is like, dude, if you just want to run 10 lineups at a time or two lineups at a time in in lineup HQ and just add 25% randomness, and just go, which one wins? Which one has a higher projection? This one, that one, this one, that one, this one, that one. What's the right. highest? What's the lowest? I mean, like, you could technically do it. But, like, you just use this tool. I mean... Right, it just saves you time. But I'm saying, I'm just trying to go through it to say, like, the lineup, like, for instance, like you mentioned with the lineup optimizers. Yeah. Like, dude, if you have any of those places, if, you, if, if, if you're already using FC, if you're already using lineup HQ... You're already using any place that has an optimizer, a lineup builder. Yeah, you're uh, just using it. Just use that, right. Using- right. Just build build the top lineup. Build whatever lineup by whatever constraint you want. It's a lot of times, like in, in lineup, you use as a sidebar. You just go, think, based on your player pool, right? You could X out a player and then run it again. X out another player. Run it. You can do anything you want. You could do the same thing in the single lineup optimizer for any yep. sport. It's just that the constraints in Excel Solver make it that that it's not it's not the most efficient to do. And uh, why should you why should you wait 18 seconds to compute something that 
If you're already you're you're already getting projections, so as long as it's a site that has a tool, I mean, like that's what I mean by when you said that. Yeah, these tools are there, but if you're an advanced player that is using publicly available projections or your own projections, most likely you have a tool that already does this way better than in Excel. Right. However, the portfolio correlation matrix, you can't find anywhere. Right. The portfolio trimmer you really can't find anywhere. You can do it manually. Right, you could sort, in, in, in FC, you could sort by certain lineup criteria, highlight them, and get rid of, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I don't use FC. Uh, I, I don't even go to the site. Uh, but I, but you can. Labs, there's a way to, like, oh, yeah, all your lineups are the daily roto. I know it's like, oh, it'll show you that, uh, lineups that are only this, it'll for, sort those out and say include all, or whatever. Like, there's a way to do the, it's, it's more time consuming. Now, there's no way to do the trim by our, quote, smart trim feature, which is like the comparison of projection and ownership. But other places could just add that function. I mean, like, like it's not an unheralded, oh, my God, like, oh, it's okay. We could just make that a function of, like, instead of eliminating lineups that are underneath 100% owned or 80 projected, it's like, well, I want you to compare the top projected lineup with its ownership and just cut out the ones in between that are more high-owned than they are projected. Whether or not they have... Uh, what, whatever usefulness you see in that, which I believe there is usefulness in that, is up to you. But to add that to one of those tools wouldn't be, like, like, like wouldn't be ridiculous to do. It's not offered in that time frame of, like, that. Like, like yeah. this tool does it. But it's... To me, I still don't consider the portfolio trimmer, even though, from an efficiency standpoint, nothing exists in the industry like that. But the concept of trimming lineups, I mean, any any lineup builder. I built 300 lineups. I want to get rid of these last 50. Yeah. Get rid of the last 50. I mean, like, that type of stuff happens. But the portfolio correlation matrix, there, I, there's nothing. There's, I mean, I, I don't even think there's anything that even is, computes anything similar to it. No. No, and it's something that, like, it's a really, really important thing that really good players do in their head of understanding and Hold on. looking. A lot of good players that do this don't do this in their head. That The intuitive players will do this type of stuff in their head. The, yeah. the programming level players are building algorithms yes. that take okay. this into That's account. Fair. Okay, so that to me, to separate the, 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 the advanced players into like two categories of more intuitive advanced players and more analytically driven math players that have yeah. the process in more of a, a, they program stuff in Python and they're not using these Excel tools. They are programming their own shit to simulate in their own, like they're, they're doing, they may be programming their own optimizer where they don't even have a visual interface. Like there's right. literally no visual interface to their optimizer. It's all it is, is they pre they put in this stuff and by the end of it, they get 150 lineups or whatever amount of lineups. And those are the lineups. And if you ask them, well, well, why do you have this much of that? It's like, well, that's what the process told me. To, right? yeah. that's, so the portfolio correlation matrix as a concept may be included in people's programming algorithm. Yeah. As But from an intuitive sense, even the people that aren't using that are still considering, uh, yeah, these, these combinations of play. It's not just the ownership sum 
or the individual lineup ownership. But these combinations of players lead to higher own other combinations of players and the kind of the interdependency of them. I kind right. of want to split apart more, right? And yeah. So determining those factors and then also looking at what you expect the lineups to look like in the field of like, I we expect lineups to look more like this type of construction versus that type of construction rather than the median and ownership sum. So it's like, I want my lineups to look like the less frequent lineups and, yeah. and I don't want as many lineups that look like the more frequent ones. So here's, here's the, the concept that we, we usually tell to people. It's like chalk begets chalk, right? So the reason why uh, there's low, there's like cheap players say, say in NBA, right? <clears throat> The reason why there's cheap guards is to be able to afford the expensive forwards on the slate and vice versa. If there's, if there's popular cheap forwards, it's so that you can afford the popular expensive guards. And and why, and why, and why would you want to put them together? Well, the, the chalk begets the chalk in that. Well, like, why are they, why are they chalky? Because you need them to build the lineup. Like the optimizers are building lineups based oh, oh, on. So, so if I plug the cheap, High sal high point per dollar value player with another high point per dollar value. My my lineup will have a higher medium projection. There you go. Exactly. That's the reason Thank that I want to do it. Oh, okay. It's almost like it's an. It's almost like there's a course that that explains that. Almost. So <laughs> that, that's where it comes from, right? Is when when you think about things like that, you think like an optimizer and say, okay. I have these these cheap forwards that are good point per dollar plays so that I can afford the expensive point guards. And it's like there's that level of thinking right there. That's what most of the field is going to be doing because that's what optimizers are likely going to be telling them to do. Right. Well, they, and they then, don't tell they don't tell them they're going to solve a knapsack problem. And since right. they're only that the optimizer's only concern in a knapsack problem is fitting as much medium projection in your lineup for the restraints, it's going to say, "Well, how do I do that?" Well, in order to play this player, I need to play that player, and they both have good value. So this whole lineup equals 308, Yep. right? And that's the only way I can make a 308-point lineup, medium projection. 300 yep. medium projection lineups, maybe I don't need these two players together as much, right? So, like, like when I always, I'm always, you know, very, very cognizant of using terms when it comes to optimizers of, like, think or like or, like, like they have a brain, where yeah. they're really just they're uh, James. They're just at, fancy. At, at, at some point, at some point, you view the optimizer as as sophisticated as a button that uh, copies and pastes one random cell to the other random cell. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you need. That's the point that we need to get to. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so so when you think about that, the next level of that is thinking about. Okay, if I build an entire portfolio, say say 100, 150 lineups, whatever, let's say 100 lineups, and you just ran it through an optimizer, and the optimizer was doing that over and over and over again, <clears throat> and trying to come up with the best possible lineups, then what you end up with is, okay, if this really expensive guard is the best expensive player on the slate, then you're likely going to- Highest salary value more. player. Highest salary value. Highest salary. Value I don't player. like using to, you know me, I don't like best, worst, right, okay. wrong. I get it. So if this point per, if this point guard is that player, then he's very likely to be paired with cheaper forwards that are high point per dollar players on the slate. So when you've built a hundred lineups, even if 
you are to reduce the ownership reduce on the exposure. Expo- reduce the exposure on either the guards or the forwards in this in this kind of you know situation then you're still very likely to have if you reduce that high salary value guard down to like 35% or something there's nothing that says that all 35% of that are going are not going to be with those cheap forwards Right, And that's where this portfolio correlation matrix comes in is being able to look at that and say, okay, even though I only have 35% of prime Russell Westbrook, I also have him completely paired with this cheap forward because that was Dorian Finney-Smith. If he doesn't, well, if $3,800 Dorian Finney-Smith at small forward, right? You got to, right? Because the only way he has a 21 point medium projection, and it's like there's no value at the position, and it's like, well, the only way for me to fit in prime Mike, uh, by prime, uh, Russell Westbrook is, well, I guess I'm playing uh, Dorian Finney-Smith because the lineups that don't have that combination have a slightly lower median projection. So And to take it to that to the next point of it, right? If Say that you, you cut them both down to 35% right. in your exposures. And you you looked at that, and then you build out your lineups, and then you ran things, and you're like, oh yeah, look, my exposures look great. Like I, I have everything where I want to. But, but that 35 percent of Russell Westbrook is still 100 percent paired with 35 percent Dorian Finney-Smith. Smith, right? You don't have any lineups without the others, and that's where this correlation matrix is so strong is being able to see that even though you only have 35 percent of Russell Westbrook and 35 percent of Dorian Finney-Smith. There is a one hundred. There's a one point R two value between the two, meaning that they are in every lineup that they exist together. Right, which means if you build a you build a hundred lineups, I'm just I'm just kind of clarifying. Yeah. You build a hundred lineups, and you're like, okay, I'm going to do things by exposure, right? Right. I don't want. I yeah yeah. If you if I just build a hundred straight lineups, it's going to give me a one hundred lineups with Russell Westbrook and one hundred lineups with Dorian Finney Smith, and pair them together because. That's the way to make highest median value lineups. So you have 100% exposure to both players, and they're in all 100 lineups. And you're like, wow, uh, I don't want to take on that much risk, right? I, I, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do that. So, like, I, I want Dorian Finney-Smith in only 50% of my lineups. So you're like, okay, you could do that. And you set, you stop it at 50%. It'll build lineups 100% uh, with it. It'll end up building 50% of your lineups, possibly, with Russell Westbrook now. And 50% of your lineups with Dorian Finney-Smith. You did not restrain Westbrook, but the only way to maintain building median high median lineups, assuming that you didn't add any other build rules or anything like that, the only way to fit in a Dorian, like it wants to, without constraint, build you a Westbrook DFS lineup, right? right. Okay, now you give in a constraint. 50% DFS. So it's like, okay, out of 100 lineups, I need to make sure... At most, 50 have Dorian Finney-Smith in it. So I, this is what I'm going to do, Is if, if it had a brain. I'll build that first optimal lineup. Okay, Westbrook, Finney-Smith. Here's this next one. Westbrook, Finney-Smith. Here's this net one. And go and build the top 50 lineups that all have Westbrook. The same top 50 that you build in the past build. Then once it gets to the 50th lineup, it says uh, only one or the other. And then it goes, uh, well, without Dorian Finney-Smith... Uh, 
these Russell Westbrook lineups aren't high, aren't as high median as these other lineups, mm -hmm. right? Because they need Dorian Finney-Smith because the next, the next point per dollar small forward is only 16 points. So it's mm -hmm. a five point gap. So that Westbrook at 12.8 K when prime, whatever is like, nope, nope. I'm putting, uh, I'm putting Anthony Davis in this lineups in the, in the forward spot and giving you a cheap guard now instead. And the, the last 50 lineups may have, no Russell Westbrook. So even though you didn't restrain Russell Westbrook at all, you didn't say, I, I don't mind getting the most of Russell Westbrook, but I'm going to restrain Dorian Finney-Smith to 50. And then you end up with 50% Westbrook, 50% Dorian Finney-Smith. And you're like, well, I didn't, how come it's do it? I didn't tell it to do that. It's like, well, that's the only way mathematically that it can until told otherwise with other restraints. And then even by having 50% Westbrook and 50% Dorian Finney-Smith, they're all in the same lineup. So your top 50 yeah. lineups are with, and your bottom 50 lineups have neither. Maybe you think one's in 50 and one's in the other 50. It The exposure number means the same exact thing either case. So without having a way of knowing that, you may be building lineup portfolios with exposures that have wildly different like correlations between the lineups. And then not either you think you're diverse or you're not diverse enough that you want like, this is the first level. This this could be tool used in three levels, though. That's why I love about this tool. The first level is I'm gonna build a lineup portfolio and just let just I just want I just want to double check to make sure that I at least am am cognizant and I realize that I may have one player that is more more related to another player, even though they're not on different teams and different games, right? You're building a, we're building a Cardinals lineups. Right, we're building a lot of Cardinals lineups, and Lars Newtbar is in the stack. Our favorite, our favorite candy bar guy, or the Newt yep. bar. Legend of the Newt. Legend of the Newt. And then, because the Cardinal stacks are very cheap or something, all those lineups have Jacob Degrom in it. Mm -hmm. Right, of some other game, because the Newt bar stacks and the Newt bar one-offs lead to higher median lineups with a, you know, 12k pitcher or something. Like, you'll be able to plug in your your portfolio. You don't even need projections, right? Because all it is is correlation matrix. Uh, and it'll show you. It'll say, okay, you have 100 lineups. You have 20 with Newt Bar. And you have, you, let's say you have 40 with Jacob DeGrum in total. Well, the tool could tell you that out of the 40, 20 are with Lars Newt Bar. Mm -hmm. And then, the, so Jacob DeGrum will be like, oh, it's he's 50%, he's 0.5 related to Newt Bar, right? In comparison to the number of lineups that he's in. Newt Bar, however, has an R R two of one. Every With Newt Bar, every Newt Bar lineup has has the Grum. Now, yep. once you see that, that's still perfectly fine. If the EV of the lineup is positive, you're 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 perfectly fine. If you're like, I don't mind that, then fine, then go have fun, upload your lineup. If you're like, yeah, do I really do it? I maybe I want to find a way to not have as many many new bar lineups as Jacob de Grumland. Maybe I play a different other starting pitcher in that spot. So I increase my exposure to them. I lower my de Grum exposure. Maybe I don't want to play two people. Maybe I'm just uh, diametrically opposed to playing either of them at all for a game theory reason. Oh, they're both high owned or something like that. And you're like, I'm just going to go in a hardcore group and lineup HQ and go uh, max one of uh new bar de Grum, right? And done. And now you won't get now. But when you put your new portfolio in, you shouldn't see lineups together. So on the first level, you could use it to just double check. And if your lineups are not diverse and you're like, I don't mind taking stands, right? In a, in a basketball slate, 
there there will be many NBA basketball slates where you will see one or two columns or even three columns with very hard I two values, and you're like, well, do I want to play? Uh, do do I want to do I want to play Drew Holiday when uh, Giannis uh, Drew Holiday at forty eight hundred when all of the other bucks are out and he's going to play forty minutes with thirty three percent usage. Uh, yeah, like I, I almost don't mind him being correlated to like every. I, I may have a hundred percent. Like you may actually literally have them in a hundred percent of your lineups. Literally a hundred. Yeah. Right. So like at that point, it's like I don't. I don't. I. I from a, even from a diversification standpoint, I, I don't even. I don't even mind that. So if you want to just just judge, and maybe you have a stance on a take, right, on on a slate, on a, it's like oh, it's a revenge game, or whatever, and their projection is still high enough, so you're still building plus EV lineups, and you're like. You know what? I'm building 20 lineups today. So this is not just for large portfolios. It could be for small five five lineup portfolio, a two lineup portfolio. I mean, it could be that as long as it's two lineups. So let's say in a 20 lineup portfolio, you're like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play a lot of D'Angelo Russell today because I think that's leverage off of whatever thing, you know for some strategic reason even. And I'm gonna build a lot more D'Angelo Russell lineups. So maybe you build 15 out of 20 D'Angelo Russell lineups, and you find out that that uh, six of them. Six of them have uh, have uh, Josh Giddy in it, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, you have su- like, and then you still have three lineups <coughs> that don't have Josh Giddy in it that had that that have Josh Giddy without D'Angelo Russell, and you're like, yeah, even though these two players are a little bit more overlapped <coughs> in my lineup portfolio, maybe I'm taking a stand. Maybe it's like, yeah, well, these are the two players that I'm more over the field on, and I want to benefit from when both players do well. So I'm fine with having them in a little bit more correlated lineups to each other. If that, if that's how you're doing your strategy, this is not going to tell you what's right or wrong. All it is, is going to describe a portfolio and the relation between the players inside of them. So use the information any way that you want, but that would be, that would be the, the, the first level of doing it, but you show, but you show other information as well. That helps. Like, it's not just a matrix of, oh, I need to go down the line. Because you'll always see in a, on a matrix the R, R2 of one, like in a diagonal, because it's the, the top of the table columns and the, and the rows. It's Justin Verlander and then Justin Verlander. So obviously mm-hmm. he's going to have a, uh, a 100% correlation between himself. Right. And, and we removed that, too. In the, uh, uh, on the far left, you can see every single combination every single two player combination from the matrix. Right. So, and you'll be able to see it's automatically sorted based on the percentage of the lineups that that combination shows up in. Uh, you can also see the R2 value of all of those kinds of things, um, as well as the percentage of your portfolio that has that combination of those two players. And so just that alone gives you a very good idea of what you're highest exposed to in terms of that combination on the slate. And for something like baseball, um, that can tell you a lot about your pitchers. For something like football, that can tell you a lot about your stacks. Um, in baseball, they can tell you a lot about the stacks also. So ju- uh, just, I, I, I know I, I jump in because I, I, I'm a salesman and I like, clar- I like clarifying. And I'm really excited about the stuff that you do. Yeah. Right? You can t- you, James, you know me. You can tell that it's like, I, I want, I want to tell people about like, this is like, like if, if imagine, imagine you built the tools and I'm like, here's the course. I love the audio. And yeah, yeah. By the way, this is is some Excel stuff for you. Like like imagine I was was doing that. Right. I'm I'm almost leading with the thing that you did and not with the thing that I do. Right. 
because I'm like looking at this going, okay, that correlation matrix with the, the chart of everything, like without the list, you'd have to go and go look and go where are they, where's the, and we obviously color coded it to make it easier for you. But it's like, I, I want to count them. I want to like, like I have a hundred lineups. And if, if, if uh, Lars Nootbaar and, and DeGrom are in 27 of them together, and Lars Nootbaar and Luis Garcia, our old friend that we hate, uh, uh, is in nine lineups together. Like, can you just show me a top-down chart of like the the combinations of players that are more in line? Like, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to see like the guys that are in oh one versus one. It's like okay, they're in one lineup together. Like, obviously, their R squared are is, is one, right? Mm -hmm. But it's only one lineup, so I don't care because. It's only one lineup, so yeah. it's. I want to see the things that are bet, uh, that have to do with more of my portfolio. So, can you just count them for me, so I see the ones that I should be paying attention to most? Well, that's what the list is. There's the answer. Right. There it is. Yeah, you see exactly. You see the largest influence on your portfolio automatically, um, and also there's there's another set. There's another table in between those two. Yes, right? that's you were talking about it. Yes, that was I was I was going to bring that up. Okay, what, what what's yeah. that table in the middle? So that table in the I, I middle. I put it on the screen for YouTube, but I just I'm just putting. We don't. We, truthfully, the YouTube is. I don't know why people watch it. This is a podcast. You download the audio, subscribe in iTunes. It's only on uh, on YouTube because some people just put this on and play it in the background. So yeah, yeah. It's not, it, feel free to go uh, to James's channel or go to uh, the RG pregame show the other day. We'll, we'll we will have re representation. It will be shown on screen or whatever, and there's yeah. tutorials for it or whatever. But just understand that because I'm looking, I'm going. Oh, like people are looking, and why why don't you just put it on the screen? It's like because uh, we don't care about you. Right. Yeah. I mean, this. Okay. So this those, is, mid, those, those, those middle, the middle ones. Yeah. So the middle one now, uh, the one that we're talking about here, that's it's in columns G through J. This this one is really really cool. So this one tells you per player the max lineup percentage that they are in, meaning that the max amount of your portfolio that they're in. Um, it tells you the max R two that they have with any other player on in your entire portfolio. Mm. And it also tells you the variance factor between those two things. Okay, so what, what so, does variance factor mean? So the variance factor is a measure of, um, it, it's a measure of the amount of diversif diversification that that player offers in your portfolio. Mm, okay, so it's, That's it's, it's almost, if, if, to put it in my kind of, like it's, it's somewhat similarly related in a non-projection way, but more in an ownership way of what relative value is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so how, how much, how much this, this, this player contributes, uh, to your total. Yeah. That's why that, yeah, this is, this is the very fact is much harder. The concept is explained in, in the course, mm -hmm. but I don't explain, I don't explain, I don't even use this. Like I don't necessarily even need that, that number. Right. But it just makes it it's easy. It's a number that represents something that you do. Right, right. It's exactly represent. It just it just means uh, uh, the 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 amount the the amount of uh, variance to your portfolio the player produces. Right. As as be, because of correlative lineups, not because of their own player outcomes. Right. So so for instance, the if someone James, it let let's. 
use the extreme example. You're going to answer the question, okay? I'm not going to explain it. You're going to do it, right? Okay, So because you have to do some of the explaining audio also, <laughs> right? Uh, let's say there was a player. I have a 100-player lineup, right? 100-player, 100 100-portfolio, 100 whatever number it is. Uh, and I have a player that is only in one lineup, like literally only in one lineup. So if let's, let's just, let's, let's make this, uh, an easy, a, a smaller example. So it's like mm -hmm. MMA, right? So we don't have to worry about positions or whatever. Like we don't have to worry about any of that, that I have fighter a, he's an only one out of my 100 lineups. He is, he, he has an R2 of one with basically five players. Right. Right. And those players are our ones to them are at are at most like point oh one. Right. Right. Which means that if fighter B was in one hundred percent of all one hundred lineups, this player is now one percent of that. Right. Right. If play if player B was in fifty percent of your lineups, it's R squared to that that player that's only in that one lineup right. will be point five percent. Right, five percent. Yeah. And versus so if two players, let's say fighter B was only in one lineup also. Right? So the R2 would be one and the R2 would be whatever. How much variance is that contributing to your overall lineup portfolio? Very little. Right. Very, very little. And that's what this is trying to explain. Because there's two different parts of this, right? There, There is the amount that they show up in your lineup and the amount of correlation that they have based on their R2 to all the other players in your portfolio. Right. So if a player has a, adds a lot of variance, has a lot of influence on your portfolio, they're going to have a very high variance factor. And the reason for that is that they have a large influence on everyone else around them. And that's, that's really, really around important. the most amount of players around them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. So in a simple way, cause I just came up with the simple way. Like if people are like, ah, oh, eyes glazing over, these are the people that, uh, you would root for the most mm -hmm. when watching the games. Cause they would have the most effect on your overall winnings on the slate. So if you have a, the highest variance factor players in your portfolio, you're like, I, if I could get, most of those guys to do well, if if they uh, you can't get them, you can't force them to. But if those most of those people do well, you're more and more likely to have a much more profitable day. Yeah. While the ones with lower variance factors in your portfolio, you're like, oh my god, I got I got I got a a one percent own Kevin Kevin Biggio, uh, you know, thirty eight point game, and I I hey, I'm over the he's one percent owned. I got five percent ownership of them. Right. And then, then you look down and the variance factor of Kevin Vigio is extremely low, which means your, your highest owned, your highest exposed players in your lineups are not in your Kevin Vigio lineups, right? They're, 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 they're not, you've not made it. The, the Kevin Vigio lineups have actually lower owned players in it. And even the, so now you're, you're rooting for Jacob DeGrom to do, oh, oh, 12 strikeouts. Great. He's the highest variance factor. And then you're like, Kevin Vigio. Like, oh, there you go. He is, and he's one of the lowest variance factors. And then someone else in the in the middle. It's like, oh, he hit two home runs. And they have a they have a low variance factor. And you're like, like, okay, I, I think I should do there. And you're like, out of my hundred lineups, you're like if you didn't have this tool or you didn't look at your lineups on in Excel, you'd be going through your lineups in your app going, 
okay, do I have a lineup with all three players in them? Do mm-hmm. I have a lineup with all three players with them? Well, if their variance factors are all low, you're not going to have a lineup with all three players. You're probably not going to have a lineup with all three players with them. And the variance factors are high. Up to, so I, I think this is an easier... Instead of trying to explain it a little bit more mathematically, because yeah. the words ma- like the whole point is that, like using the term correlation when it comes to DFS players, always think in terms of how one player is outcome is it correlated right. to the other. Well, this has nothing to do with that type of correlation. It has to do with having multiple lineups together and how correlated they are to each other, regardless of outcome. Yeah, absolutely, and, and that's it's something people just don't think about enough. Like, like the, there are very good players that are thinking about this, but there are, are not enough like general and advanced and intermediate players that are thinking about this. Kind there of are thing. no tool, J- James. There is literally no tool in the industry mm-hmm. on any site and anywhere that displays this information, that analyzes or displays this information. Is I mean, put feel free email me Jordan at theoryofdfs.com. Feel free to tweet me at Blender HD. If there's a place that does something that shows you something like this, anything related to this, like point it out to me. Point it. I mean, I, 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 go, I know every. I have. I'm subscribed to every. I know everything. I mean, I unless it's some random, unless it's some random site that I don't know about, or unless it's a function. If it's a function in Fantasy Cruncher, I'll never know about because I don't go to the mm-hmm. site. Uh, if it's a function in, in some some optimizer or some tool that I just managed to miss because I don't use it that often, I only look at it every once in a blue moon, like, is something close? Like, this is important to, like, to how you build the diversity of your lineups and also involving the second level. Right. How you could use the tool. Because the second level... We go through the right, the level level one, right, James? What am I playing? Right? Level right. two is what are you playing? Level three is now that I know what you're playing, how do I change? And then, you know, the I know, but you know, and you know that you know, and I know that you know, and yippee doo da day. So, so do you want to explain what people could do on the second level? Yeah. Um... They're not, they're doing this. They're, and they're using the tool the same way. I mean, you're not doing anything different. You're just inputting not your lineups. Right. So you can go into the uh, CSV detail, or you can go and download a CSV anywhere from you know, wherever, and then you can find a certain player's lineups. So you want to find Blender's lineups, or you wanted to find Osmo or whoever, and you can take their lineups and you can plug it into this tool, and you can see what their correlations were. And you can see what their R2s were. You can see what their variance factor players were. So that you can then come to another understanding of how they built their lineups and how diverse they built their lineups and who they were rooting for. Right. Who, so you can who, what, play, what combinations of players were they using more frequently or less frequently than the field? Mm-hmm. So many people use the content, you think in terms of exposure on single players, but not on combinations of players. Cause there's only so many combinations of lineups and the same right. way with that Westbrook, Dorian, Finney Smith, there's going to be a lot more of these things. And because you're using those two players, that means you're more likely to have this point guard in the lineup mm-hmm. because that's the way the salaries and the positions work out. So your goal, a lot of the time, if, and especially, uh, you know, extra add extra edge is to figure out what the comp constructions that are more likely to be used out of all the lineups in your contest you're competing against, and then try to make similarly projected 
and similarly owned lineups that don't have these clumps together, that don't have these, like, like, can I make a lineup that's high enough with ownership and projection that doesn't use Westbrook and Finney Smith and use this guy with that guy and this guy with this guy. And yeah, I'm sacrificing a little median by doing it. Right. But instead of being a two V two with the field, I'm a six V six with the field. Yeah. Like that, 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 that's extra, that's extra relative value. Like that's points that you're getting that other players aren't. You're moving independently, more independently on the payout structure. So if you were to stut like, Hey, second level, you're studying other people and you go, what did they do on the slate with their player combinations? So their highest, highest variance factor players are going to be the ones that they've used in more player combinations. And the lowest variance factor ones are going to be one. They didn't. Now you compare a, se- a second sharp player and you go, is that similar? And then you go, they're not. And yeah, depending on how diverse they're like, obviously everyone has different play styles. Everyone has different exploitative macro strategies and so forth, but you could get a sense of more of that and then compare it to your own and then compare it to the field. What's the variance factor of the entire field of the, all the lineups in the contest and go, what is the difference between the two variance factors? What did the sharp players variance factors are? And what, what are the, 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 the total overall fields variance factor? Mm-hmm. So that's in studying. So people are like, okay, level one, James, I love this shit. I love like telling that this, that, 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 to me, this tool, this tool is, is this, this is the most exciting thing <laughs> the, the, to me in, in recent memory, uh, other, other than learning how to play uh, MMA DFS uh, during COVID. Um, there you go. That, that, that was another most exciting thing. And then having to try to build my own model and whatever, and blowing stuff up and then trying to get data and then realizing that most of it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> right. And most of it, most of it, MMA fight data is like uh, copy and pasting of one cell to another cell. <laughs> just, press, 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 press a good button, it right? looks cool, but it's pointless. <laughs> uh, okay, so first level, take a, take a look at your own lineups and whatever, right? Second is take a look at your opponent's lineups. How about uh, before this? Okay, what does that matter? How can I benefit even before that happens? It's like, uh, why don't you take a look at your lineups that you're making for the current slate in relation to the lineups that you think will be made by your opponents in the car, in the slate that is coming up. So for instance, let's say you you used and let's say for instance. Okay, let's use a small example first before we use a large example. Small example. Uh you're playing a 10 man contest, right? 10 man top 3 pay, right? It's just a, you know, $25 10 man. Uh and you expect because people tend to play their same lineup in same contests, Right, you take a look at your nine opponents, and you see your McLovins in there. Right, you see Uticaus. Right, mm-hmm. you see you see some of the cash game lobby. You see Empire Maker in there, maybe. Right, and you're like, okay, these players are more likely to be just playing their top, whatever their median optimal, whatever they believe at their best fiftieth percentile outcome lineup. They're probably playing that in this in this contest, right? Because they're playing it across the entire site, practically. It's like, okay, okay, I get that. Uh, and then maybe maybe there's. Five, there may be, there may be five, six, or seven out of your nine opponents that are doing just that. And maybe there's two, maybe, maybe there's two players. They're not playing the median optimal, but they're playing some high median lineup, but right. it's some differentiation. Maybe it sacrifices two, a point or two in projection and it doesn't share as many players. They're building a, kind of a single entry. So they're, they're Thunderdome lineup. They're, they're 222 line, whatever that is. And then maybe there's one, one player in there that uh, doesn't even have an experience badge 
and who the fuck knows what they're building. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can predict what the hell, I don't know what that, that, Hey, that may be a site's optimal line. That may be the road to grinders optimal medium. It may be, it may be just some random goddamn line. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. So now that you know this, right, we're doing this on a small scale first. So now that you know that you think that maybe 70% of your, that your opponents are playing like, and since you know, kind of their sources or whatever, you're like, I'm going to aggregate all these projections together. Right. Yeah. And then see the difference between who is played. And then I'm going to run seven lineups, right? That uh, I'm going to, or even run 10 lineups. And then out of the 10 lineups, you look at them and you go, well, this player's out and that player's out and this player's out. So I almost guarantee you that, that any sharp cash player is going to play these three, three players. So even though this fourth lineup only has two of these three players, let's get rid of it. Right. So I'm trying to predict what seven of my opponents are going to do in some capacity. They're not all going to have the same lineup, right? But they're all going to have a very, a 2v2 probably of the same lineup. So I'm now, yeah. I'm trying to build them. So I'm like, okay, I, th- I think five of them, uh, uh, I think three of them are going to a- actually end up on this same lineup. So it's like, okay, I saved those three lineups. And then the next two, I'm like, what's a 2v2 off of that lineup. Let me just run the lineup optimizer on, on lineup HQ. Just run it for five lines, like little, like five lineups and just give me two unique players. And then you look and you go, you look down, you look down. It's like, well, I think one may build this second one and one may have the third one, which is a 2v2 of each. So I'm like, okay, now I got those lineups saved. Now for the single entry players, I'm like, they're going to get a less, a less low, low, a little bit lower on lineup. So I adjust the ownership sum to go, well, these lineups that I already made have like a 200 ownership sum. So like, yeah. show me something with a 180 ownership sum, right? Which is still a really chalky lineup, but it lowers it a little. And then I take the two, maybe I take the two lineups to the top one of those. And that's my estimate for those guys. Then my ninth lineup, I'm like, uh, let me set the ownership sum for uh 120, right? Yeah. Right. At max, which means because they're playing much less projected, play, like maybe they're 10 points behind optimal. I'm like, okay, that's random schmoes players, right? I could take those 10 and then I take, I could take, and I have my lineup. Right. And I put my lineup in there. Maybe my lineup actually is one of their lineups. Right. But it's still my lineup. Uh, I could put the 10 lineups and then take the 10 lineups, put in the portfolio correlation matrix tool and then see how correlated my lineups are with everyone else's lineups. What is the variance? What is the highest variance factor players in this contest of 10 players? So, for instance, what would be the usefulness of this? Obviously, because of how DFS contests are scored and and combinatorics and relative value, the more points that you're sharing with your opponents, the less it, if the the more the less negative the more negative your expected value. You want to mm-hmm. have more points that are shared with less of the field. So I put in those ten lineups, and I put in I go who are the highest vac- fa- uh, fa- variance factor players, and I see that. It's player A, B, C, and D. Yep. And I see, okay, what what person's portfolio, which is only just 100%, has all four players in it, or the four highest, or the five highest players. And I go, okay, this lineup is similar. And if they're, if they're equal, they're going to be all 100%, right? All one. Uh, and then in general to the field, what does my lineup look like in comparison to the highest variance factor players, right? So I could see that, oh, I do have two low variance factor players and the four highest variance factor players. So my lineup is not that different than like half the lineups in the contest. Mm -hmm. So out of the highest variance factor players, 
<coughs> maybe I go in to line up HQ. And obviously, if you get one of those 4K to Drew Holiday situations, the 30, it, your projection may go down so much that who gives a fuck that the highest variance factor player, they also right. contribute way too much to the projection. But on a more efficiently priced slate, you may go back to line up HQ. And then simply, see, you already have the 10 lineups that you already you know, exported from it. You simply go to your, what you want your lineup to be and go, I'm going to exclude the highest variance factor player, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm getting the most different from what I expect my opponent's lineups are. And then see what the, the highest projected lineup is. Because you, you, you're still only trying to beat like 10 opponents for first and you still have equity for third. If this was a double up, this would be even easier, right? Because yeah. you don't even care about duplication. Uh, so then you go to the next lineup. So, okay, okay, I X out the highest variance factor player. I sacrificed only one point in projection. And I get That's this other cool. lineup, right? Yeah. And you're like, well, why don't I play this? And then maybe even if you have time, cut and paste that lineup into where your other lineup was and then see what the next highest variance factor player is and go, well, let me X out the next highest variance factor player. And you go, oh, now I drop one point, another point in projection, uh, and uh, I'm way different. Now, the variance factor of my lineup is, like, dramatically different because even the players that are now in my lineup are not even shared in the, the other players, li like the players that still have differentiated lineups. Like, the single-entry players have one player that is, like, swapped out, and it's not even the same player that I've chosen. So, like, the variance factor of my lineup is even more... Uh, inversely correlated to other players' lineups. And if I find that the, the, uh, the medium projection sacrifice is worth it, it doesn't matter what the ownership sum of the lineup is anymore, right? Like, they, like I, I don't care about the ownership sum because the ownership sum could be higher. That lineup could literally have a higher ownership sum than my original lineup and be more profitable to play. And and the cool thing here, all of that th all of that you just said, in the view portfolio diversification tab, you can see the lineups and you can see the diversification scores. Right. So you can see if your lineup is different. And then in this 10 man, you can take those 10 lineups and throw them into the lineup, lineup simulator. simulator. <laughs> and you can you can copy and paste that cell a thousand times. And you can see how <laughs> often that button, copy and paste. Went. Yep. And you can see how often your lineup wins. So it's uh, these tools are meant to talk together. They're, they're meant to work together and they're meant to make your process more efficient. But look at like at that process that I described mm -hmm. for this small scale. And now I'm going to get into a bigger scale example. The small cell example I did uh, as a, as a practice uh, earlier today. Yeah. Uh, when I got up in the morning, I got up early in the morning uh, to cut and paste all because I did in the current MLB slate. Right. Yeah. Uh, the cut and paste the, so all I'm doing, I first got to cut and paste my projections, right? I got to cut and I got to, I got to do that setup first. Right. Uh, and then building, then basically I just went in it's like, okay, I'm going to assume seven different, I'm going to, I basically, I assume seven cash lineups and two single entry style GPP lineups. Yeah. yeah. And I build a diverse, I just like five to give me five different lineups of this and two, like based on one unique player and then based on three unique players and then set an ownership. Like it didn't take me, it took me like, like, like what? 40 seconds or right. something like maybe uh, to get all, get the exact nine lineups that I want. And then I just clicked on the, on the, the optimal, the, the bad optimal, just like if I would just to play the bad optimal and then I put cut it, saved all those lineups, 
And I cut, and now I, now I cut and paste stuff into the portfolio correlation matrix. So that's like that process. And then looking to see, and then going, well, what happens if I X out this guy and put in that guy? Okay. Now I could even change, like I just changed it in the sheet. So I didn't mm-hmm. have to re-download my lineups and cut and paste them. I just, all I did was change the cell, right? Yeah. Right. So just cut and paste someone else's to sell. I find that player and then I'll put that there. Right. Uh, that, that entire process of deciding on what lineup that would be more beneficial against my estimated field, uh, the grand total with cutting and pasting at 90 seconds. I mean, yeah, like, like two minutes, like, like two not, minutes. not even, I mean, and, and I would say a third of that time is I'm not even analyzing. I'm just like, just making sure I'm cutting and export, move over, highlight. It's like, but once I get the lineups in, once I had the, once I got the nine lineups I'm competing against that I estimate, in there, mm-hmm. like changing between lineups was five seconds. Why well, cut and paste done? Okay, what does that look like? Run this. What does that look like? And then even if I wanted to bring them over to the lineup simulator, that runs because of that really fancy button, uh, <laughs> right? It runs really quick. Like, like, dude, we're not talking about shit that's like really complicated at mm-hmm. to do at all. And it's a testament, truthfully, James, to how you designed it. And I, I am happy and I'm very proud of the way that things turned out. And I, I think I do truly believe that this is like one of the best things that you can buy for, for any, for, for if you want to get better in any sport, facet, any facet, any, any sport, format, any contest size, if you're a, oh, yeah. I'm a single entry player, you do it. You could still use the yeah. portfolio. You could still, you could still use the portfolio tools. Yep. There are ways Absolutely. to use them. And, and any skill level is going to find value in these. I'm very proud of them. Large scale level of using portfolio correlation matrix in a similar way of that 10 man contest. What happens if you could, uh, I don't know, try to come across and uh, build the actual lineups that you will be competing against. Now mm-hmm. you're most likely not going to be able to do it uh, yourself and not going to be accurate. You could try to do it. But understand that in trying to do that, you're not going to be, you're dealing with human beings. Like you, you, the ownership is not going to be perfect. The projections people use, like it's not going to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe you could make some reasonable, reasonable ability, knowing that a lot of people are using publicly available projections, right? Maybe people are using a simulation output play that you could take a look, right? So let's say I do this. Uh, I, tr- I, I take the projections from one site. So la- I take the bat and I go, how would people that, how many people from the bat would use this properly for GPP is that how many people wouldn't? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to say that, uh, that a hundred, uh, a third of the 300 max I could build in lineup HQ, uh, don't know how to use this properly. Right. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to build the, the, the I'm going to build a hundred optimals. Yep. Right. And, and, and let, let's say it's not baseball because there's correlation involved there. Let's say it's basketball, right? Yeah. Where there's limited correlation. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, I'm going to build the top hundred optimals, right? Maybe you, may, maybe you get a little bit more precise and say, I'm going to build the top optimal and, and cut and paste it in 40 different times, right? Yeah. The same because people will just play their cash lineup in the contest. Like there's a way to get more and more precise on this. I'm just, I don't want to go through all of that. I'm just kind of going through the main things. We're being blunt. We're right, being blunt. blunt. Right. So you're like, okay, I'm creating a hundred optimals, right? Just the top hundred lineups, no matter what, right? Because people are going to play high, medium projection lineups and whatever. Uh, so I'm going to put that in. That's part of my hundred. 
right? So I build 100 lineups like that. And then I build 100 lineups that are like 2v2s of that, right? So they're mm-hmm. playing the best plays, but they're getting a little bit more different, right? So I throw that in. So there's 100 lineups that look like that. And just whatever it spits out from the, the Oroto Grinders projections for basketball. Uh, and then I build 100 lineups that, based on the lineups that I've already built, like myself, have a certain projection and a certain ownership sum. Mm-hmm. I'm building lineups with this that look like that and this is good because it's going to be more of the sharper players that I'm expecting to build more similar lineups to me in some extent. They'll be wildly different player combinations, but from a range of projection and ownership, some will be similar. So I build mm-hmm. that, right, based on a max and a whatever and just run it through. And then I will set for that 100 broad exposure caps, mm-hmm. right, because it's like, oh, only 40% of people are going to play Jokic. So I only want a max of 40% of people in, in, that, in that set, right? And then, for, and then I set all of those exposures to try to, remember, I'm doing this bluntly, right? Yep. So enough where it runs it. If I end up with like, oh, it runs 100, 100 lineups and I get 80, 87% of $3,400 Thomas Sadoransky, it's like, well, that's not a proper representation of, the, of what's right. going to happen. So I'm going to just limit him to 5%. And then... You adjust it for that. This may take you the most amount of time to do. Yeah. Because you're trying to recreate. Okay, so you do that. Maybe you do that with uh, uh, your own, with, with Roto-Grinders projections. Maybe you do that with stochastic projections. Maybe you do that with ETR projections. Maybe mm-hmm. in basketball. Maybe you do that with labs projections. Maybe you do that with daily Roto's projections. Maybe you do that with an the, the aggregate of all five projections. Maybe you do it with the aggregate of each two projections. Right, like go. some people, you only use two. Some people only use. You, you can get to whatever extent. I'm just explaining what you could do, and you're all. And then you're building. I I could build 300 lineup sets. I could build, I could build 3,000 lineups. Mm-hmm. Right. Understand that the more and more lineups that you're building, and the more and more bigger the player pool is, this portfolio correlation matrix will take quite some time, potentially, to do all the calculations. Yes. So, James, I did do one with 1,500 lineups. Oh. Okay? 1,500 lineups, but I didn't diversify as much, only because I was afraid the computer would blow up, uh, <laughs> uh, that I would have wanted, but still way a lot. So I, I was trying to get, like, to simu- to kind of get the, uh, the, the estimation of, like, of like a twelve dollars single entry contest, like that right. type, yeah. that type or of the, contest, the or something like that. Right, yeah. right. Uh, and then put in the owner, they put in everything, and then I I could look at the contest reviewer and see what the exposures are of all mm-hmm. the sets. But I because I can't save in in, in our lineup HQ, you can't save more than fifteen hundred lineups in it. Mm-hmm. Even though you could save fifteen hundred, clear it out, and then build another fifteen hundred. As long as you cut and paste it into your Excel file, you have saved right. the lineup. So that's why I stopped at fifteen hundred. Uh, it took a couple of, it, it, James, it truthfully took a couple of minutes. Yes. Yeah. Right? I, I believe that. Yeah. Right. The less, if you, if you're doing, uh, oh, it's a 10 man contest. Like I explained before, do the tool works in two seconds. Yeah. Right. Like at that level, it, it works at two seconds. So it took a couple of, like I, it, it took a couple of minutes. Uh, but then it, it, it spit everything out. Mm-hmm. It spit everything out and showed like how, what percentage of lineups have this guy? Like, like yet. Yeah, it wasn't exact. I could have done better, but a lot of the stuff is like, yeah, the the joke Jokic uh, is in forty eight percent of lineups. Mm-hmm. Even though the ownership projections say forty, it's like the way that optimizers work and how people build their lineups 
maybe they're maybe it really really will be forty eight percent, and because of that, this other cheap guard is actually instead of twenty four percent owned, like twenty eight percent owned. Yeah. And this other high price player at center is projected for ten percent ownership, but actually only shows up in four percent of the lineups. Like I could kind of look in trying to cre- recreate the feel of like kind of where the ownership inefficiencies are as yeah. well as then look at the variance factor and go, let's compare how high the over-owned players, how are they combined together and how are the under-owned players combined together also? And then maybe I'm, Oh, this higher on this over-owned player and this over-owned player have both of the highest variance factors. It's like, Maybe I'm going to play less of that common. Like, I don't mind playing 40%. I don't mind having 40% exposure to, to Jokic. I don't have mm-hmm. mind having 28% exposure to Jimmy Butler or whatever like that. Uh, but it turns out with the simulated estimated contest that I'm, that, that lineups that I, that I made with people that use optimizers and use the same projections and use all of this, it turns out that, yeah, it ends up with like, even though, yeah, a little higher on than I expected, but boy, a lot of the Dokus lineups have Butler in them, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe I just, I still have 40% Jokic and I still have 28% Butler, but I just make sure to have them in less frequent lineups together. And there right? you go. Right? Yeah. There you go. It's a really cool fucking tool. Like be, being able to do that is really, really cool. And, and the, the application of it, I'm sure there's going to be some people that buy the book and look at this tool and are just like, it, it, it's going to change their fucking life. And, and there, there are going to be people who have the wherewithal and the technical capability to take this tool and supercharge it. Oh yeah. Like, that, this, this is, this is a monster creator. If yeah, you didn't understand, unless you already under that, this is that what Brian Hooper would say is uh, someone that it does not play DFS or it just plays it really casually that has a background in mathematics or, you know, any type of field like that finance or economics or whatever mm-hmm. uh that's like oh, i don't know but maybe dfs there's no edge in it anymore or maybe whatever yeah i have some programming experience but is it not worth my time or something like that maybe they're like oh, uh, for shits and giggles like yeah this this seems like i enjoyed the subject matter of in the intellectual look at you know look into of a game uh, that i play recreationally on sundays every so often uh and they listen to this and they go holy shit i can build something like that yeah. And you're te- and then these people are telling me that this type of computation, the field the opponents I'm playing against really are unaware of for the most part. Like I could program this in a week. Like yeah. what like if I could program something simple that I think is better than this in a week, like what other stuff is not being is inefficient, right? And mm-hmm. and that's where that's where the monsters come from, right? Right? Yeah. That's when the per uh, and and to me, nerdy tenor is that, right? Yeah, I I was going to mention him. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. That's somebody who has the technical capability to be a monster, right? Like the potential to be somebody who can absolutely just crush the field, but didn't really the the light didn't click on yet or like they didn't read the piece of information they needed to read to really make it all come together or something like that where they see something like this they see this portfolio portfolio correlation matrix and there's like oh fuck i can do that i'm assuming with this i i guarantee i've already talked to someone uh that this 
people with proprietary processes, people with computer simulations and everything like that. Uh, many, there, there's some, there's some amount of this going on. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to assume that of course I'm, we're talking about this and I'm talking about this at a very basic level for mathematics. Yeah. Right. Maybe on a more advanced level for the average person, but on a very basic level for math- mathematics. I remember, I remember, I you know, I'm I'm an AP math student from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember bin- binomials. I remember binomial coefficients. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. Oh, you're going to be able to use binomial coefficients and and imagine doing doing Pascal's triangle in high school. Going, what the fuck is the purpose of this in real life? <laughs> Like, dude, I'm not going to arrange eight students in six chairs with three different shirts, right? <laughs> like, what is the purpose of this? Why the fuck am I learning this until until you, you play DFS for, for a bunch of time and go, oh, there's actually an application. Oh, well, that mathematical <laughs> application about that? Oh, uh, there actually is a financial usefulness to this uh, in, in now. Uh, so I'm assuming that... Uh, that what whistles does is much more directionally relational to this at a much a level that that me both me and you yeah are not like now we're now we're getting into machine learning models mm-hmm. right now we're getting into how does it use these 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 binomial coefficients and further things to learn the play like it's like you could develop something that learns this on its own Right. And then yeah. decide between what I, th- and then if, if the, if the, if the projections are, are accurate, like you could probably show a profit just by being different than the f- combinations without even knowing the ownership of the combinations. Right. Right. Yeah. Like just, just like I have better projections and I have better, I've, I've lower variance factors and I win and I win more often than not because you're play at too many. It, it's that, it's that, Balance versus exploitative for, yep. for like for nerdy tenor, like as far as the frequency level, it's like, I don't know what the frequency sh- is, should be, but I know that the field does it not at equilibrium. So as right. long as my program figures out what the proper frequency is of using these player combinations, I profit right right now to profit more. You would exploit that. You'd say, well, what are the lower frequencies being used and what are the higher frequencies being used? And I want to use more of the lower frequencies and less of the higher frequencies. So you you imbalance your diversification in order to exploit the frequency optimization of the field. I mean, there's... But, in a, there's but, in a, but to, to just to finish, in order to do that, you need to know what the field is going to do. Right. And so that adds extra... Fragility that adds extra variance mm-hmm. to your process. So I think whistles in the beginning, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, dude, I'm, I'm, spe- I may be speaking out of my ass, right? Yeah. Right. So I'm just, I'm, these are hypotheses. So maybe when whistles said back in 2019 or whatever, it's like, I don't care about ownership, right? I really don't factor that in as much. I think it's because it's like, no, as long, I, I know that I've, I've studied the field, I know it's not in equilibrium. And I know I could profit from it regardless. So right. fuck it. I, why even bother dealing with the variance of trying to predict what the actual lineups are going to be? Let me just predict what the actual lineup should be. Right. And play those and play the play those lineups. Right. Like that type of thing. 
And then eventually, like last year, the past time he was on, he was like, yeah, I kind of incorporate ownership a lot more than, mm-hmm. than, and I think it's, why? Because if you do use a machine learning model to some extent, it will continue to learn that you'd be more and more profitable by playing mm-hmm. exploitatively in some regard, which means it's like, oh, I, need, I really need to know what, what the stuff is going to be, how frequent st- these lineups are going to be, and then playing more of the less frequent ones. And then, right. and then there you go from there. And then you could program that all in. And then as, as you play more and more NBA slates, it's not like the feel, it's not like, oh, you're playing against, uh, in a, in a hundred man contest at, at, at 222 or whatever, something like that, that the next day you're playing against a hundred completely different other players. Right. You're playing well, a lot against that similar always, fields. That that was what Nerdy Tenor had said was that when when he runs his his AI, when he runs his program, he's actively trying to learn from the people that he's facing frequently. Mm-hmm. And and so that like you're not just running it against certain like some random things. You're running it against a a, a simulated and emulated portfolio of players that you know that you're likely going to face. Right. So it's more of learning what your opponents are going to do and then saying, oh, well, here's what they should do and I'm going to play what they should do rather than just building out a projection set of what you believe to be right. Right. And this is being done with the portfolio correlation matrix, not on as an individual. People think in terms of individual players. Right. And we're talking about sets of players and combinations. Mm -hmm. And we could make it if if the the top three to combinations together, but that would take a more calculate. That would take even longer calculations. Yeah, that, that would start to suck. Yeah. Right. Two, and then two it would slow the, slow, right. Then it would slow the thing down, but obviously in Python, you do that much quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You could do yeah, like, I, mean, I do. I, I recently started trying to build a GPP simulator in Python, which has been a lot of fun. And that should, hopefully that's done by MBA, but um, my God, after working in other systems and like deciding to just say, fuck it, I'm tired of working in Excel because in a perfect world, I never touch Excel again. Right. Like in a perfect world, but uh, in Python, I can, I can simulate 5 million lineups in 13 seconds. Right. Which is hilarious. Right. Like, and so do you, simulate, to, do, you do it by moving a cell over to the other cell and cutting and pasting? <laughs> no, no. But Jordan, please understand that while it is not quite as funny as that, the way that I'm doing it is equally as hilarious. And we'll talk about it a little bit later, but like you, you have to, when you're, when you're working with these, like when you're working with such large number sets and data sets, a lot of the time, you're doing it in a really fucking stupid way to where like, cause you have to be slick, right? Like you have to do it in a way that doesn't really like, I, I was working with somebody who has their PhD in, uh, in data in data science. And he's, he's brilliant. He works with me. His name is the Hatter in the discord. He's terrific. And, and I work with him on pretty much everything that I develop. And uh, him and I were working through this process of like, how can we make this faster and developing all these lineups faster, faster, faster. And he's like, okay, I got it to where we can do a million lineups in 36 seconds. And like, that was an improvement. That was great. And then I'm sitting there and I, I'm running through this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do something really fucking stupid. I'm going to see if it works. And then 20 minutes later, I come back to him. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I can do a million lineups in three seconds. So you want to see how I fucking do this? And he's like, I, I showed him the, the logic on how to do it. He's like, that shouldn't work. 
like, but go, but go look, it works. It's like, no, but it shouldn't work. I'm like, but I don't fucking care if it shouldn't work. It's gonna work because I made it work. And, and that's, that's the way to like, the, the, the ways that you can do things that should not work in Python, but for some reason do is incredible. But I'm, we're, we're trying to, these tools are more for like blunt method. Like yes. so we go through the, in chapter two, I said, said there's a difference between blunt and precise and there's a scale. So, yeah. so just because you may, yeah, you're not whistles, right? You're not nerdy tenor. This isn't a course on how to, you know, build algorithms and machine learning models, right? Or right. anything like that. And if you think that that's the, if, if it got to the point where that was the only way to get an edge, DFS wouldn't exist anymore. Right. Yeah. Right, Everybody would be dead. Right. Everyone. Right. It, it's like there's no one would be able to beat the rake. It would it would die. So obviously there are enough people that the blunt methodologies and more blunt methodologies. There are people that have the bluntest methodologies. I don't have any projections. This guy looks too cheap. I'm going to play that. And they show me a lineup. I could you could have none. No, none of these concepts and go. Uh, yeah, I'm going to play this guy because he's too cheap. And I'm going to pair him with that guy because when obviously when this guy throws a touchdown, this guy scores. Uh, yeah. And then this uh, this running back and that running back because I think they're playing against bad defenses. And then uh, I'm going to play the cheapest defense because uh, it seems like defense just kind of randomly scores stuff. And I don't know, should I spend yeah. up on the deep? I don't know. Maybe I do that. And then go, uh, go. oh, my God, everyone's going to play that guy, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, I know that I, like, in order to win a million dollars, I got to be, I got to be much different than, you know, everyone. Like, I can't just play the best plays, right? They don't have projection. They don't even know what the best plays are. But they're like, I, 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 I think maybe the person that they're pointing out isn't going to be high on, but they just think that it is. And go, well, then I'm going to play that guy also. And then they're like, well, I have a $4,200 spot left. And then they just scroll and they look and they go, uh, yeah, I'm going to play this $4,200 wide, this $4,100 wide receiver, uh, because uh, he happens to be on the same team as, as my quarterback. So yeah. why not have two receivers from the same team and. And then they show me their lineup and I go, I put it in. It's like, your lineup has a medium projection of this and a ownership of that and whatever. And go, yeah, this is probably, this, I, I think this is a plus V. Yeah, 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 it's a flat lineup. It's like, how do you, but, but I, I didn't get to it. I just, I, I just thought through very, like not even DFS stuff. I go, yeah, you had a, you had an extremely blunt methodology that managed to make a plus EV lineup, but I'll try to make another lineup now. Right. It's quite possible that you're using the same blunt method, very blunt methodology, and your next lineup is going to be like, Trash. Why, why the fuck Just did you play the worst this lineup that you've ever built? Right, exactly. Right. So, like, your error rate is going to be much higher. So, if you're playing every day, let's say you're playing 20 lineups a day and playing very bluntly, you will, if you, your lineup portfolio of 20 may, may truthfully have 10 great lineups, very yeah. high expected value. Maybe five of them are okay. And but five of them are like like why the why the negative EV right like yeah. you're bad yeah. right like <laughs> so like there's a margin there and then the more okay I'm gonna put even more blunt methodologies and maybe you get that down to playing 150 lineups and all 150 as a portfolio or plus EV and that that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do but you could always build one plus EV lineup right just build one lineup and maybe it's not the highest plus EV lineup but it still is a profitable lineup and yeah. it'd be like okay. Now use more blunt methodologies that are available to you to make that lineup even higher EV, right? You're like, okay, that, oh, for this contest, that lineup is, I think it's profitable. It may not be the most profitable lineup, but how can you make it, how can you make it more profitable in the long run? It's like, uh, uh, maybe I just, uh, I switch out the, 
The defense I'm playing is 37% owned and uh, and $2,400. Uh, maybe I play the $2,300 defense that's 8% owned. And I yep. go, bam, it's more profitable. <laughs> I go, bam, bam, right there, bam, because the variance of defenses. Emerald right. Gossamer. Yeah. Right, bam. And there you go. So, like, to me, it's just, like, the the more and more precise on that scale you get in comparison to your opponents, you could still be profitable without being the most precise, right? So as long as your methods are more precise, right? Like, not precise, precise. They're still blunt methodologies, but they're still better than... Uh, here's the here's the bluntest methodology. Take your keyboard, bang your head against it. Whatever players came, whatever players came up in the in the lineup, that's who you play, right? Right. That's the bluntest methodology. Can you beat yeah. that? If you're playing a head to head against a guy that is not even opening the app, going up to the end and literally banging the key, having their dog bang against the keyboard until eight or ten players are entered in a lineup. If you can't beat that guy randomly, like you, you, I honestly, I, I think that that's how all head to head should be played because you are literally using your head to hit the keyboard, and it should be just two people just slamming their face into the keyboard as many times as they can, uh, just to see who wins. But I digress. Right. So these 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 tools are are, are the bl- I believe are like the blunt, the most. Here's a better way to put it. The most precise, blunt methodologies, yeah, to uh, simulate to to uh, recreate even a the least even in non in the not the most efficient manner, but in some efficient manner as what the most advanced players are doing with their own programming. Yeah, that's I a good way to put it. They're they're. They're the most blunt, precise tools that you'll find. That's that's the right way. Is that going to be the title? (laughs) Yeah, there you go. The most blunt, precise tools you'll find. I love that. The most blunt, precise. I'm not going to put in the find precise tools. There you go. It it, that that was the competing that that it was either going to be the most blunt, precise tools, or I'm sick of my own voice. Wait, wait, should it be the first one? I, you know what, man, you're the host. I like, think, the, <laughs> I think the most blunt, precise tools is better as far as like a a search perspective with what the sh- what you know we're trying to hey we got this new thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sick yeah. Of my own I, I think you're right, and, and I also think that it's kind of uh, in ter- in terms of like what everything that we talk about because we talked about so much of the back end today mm-hmm. and we talked about so much of like the development side that I think that it makes more sense that way. How about we combine them? To I'm sick of my own blunt, most precise blunt tools. Because <laughs> you kind of said you're sick of Excel. I am sick of Excel. That's true. That's absolutely true. I'm sick. Of, I can't fit that all on the thumbnail. I'm no. sick of my own <laughs> most blunt, precise tools. The the most blunt, precise tools. I'm I'm making an executive right. decision. Okay. The most blunt, precise tools with the most bluntest of precise tools is how you recreate <laughs> how you resim. Uh, lineups in the lineup simulator. That was that was the hardest that I have laughed in a long time. That is truthfully Playing. same for me also, right? Yeah. Uh, and 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 I still have not watched the rehearsal yet. So uh, maybe oh, I need to watch it too. Right. Yeah, I need did, to watch uh, it too. did you did you finally watch Nathan for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched some more episodes. It's okay. so good. Do do you get the reason why why mm-hmm. even if you didn't laugh hilariously why someone would? 
Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're good. He's he's really 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 funny. Right. That's a good. Job. And supposedly the re- supposedly the rehearsal is even more brilliant. I'm sure. Just had some time. Okay. So is that is that enough? Uh, are you sick of hearing your own voice or my voice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sick sick of everyone's voices. I need to go sit in a dark room for five minutes. Okay. So people out there, if you're listening, you could uh, you could buy the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports for advanced players. TheoryDFS.com. Uh, if if you for, if you bought the first course, you should have gotten an email mm-hmm. that has a code that's avail- that's only only limited for this week uh, to get a significant discount off of it as a as a bundle as a thank you as a hey you why not uh, if you if you didn't get that uh, the reason is we don't like you no just kidding <laughs> uh, the the reason is is that at, uh, I'm sending that to only people that have bought the first course, which is through mm. the platform that we use. So at any point, if you uncheck, like, I don't want to get emails or I don't want to get marketing emails or anything, I can't send it to you. Okay. Right. So like, there's, there's like, there's like 20% of our past, past uh, people that I can't, I can't, I could cut and pay. I, there, there are ways to get around it, but I'm not, if you get around it, then they start knocking you off of email platforms and I'm not going to, I don't want to get, booted from my service so i can't get it to you so that's the only that's the only reason that you wouldn't get it but if you manage to not get it and it's not in your spam folder feel free to just hit uh email me email me on twitter email me on, no email me on normal <laughs> jordan at theory of dfs.com and uh anything about buying the course anything about uh the, the 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 contents of the audio and the strategy stuff if you have a problem with a purchase, if you did, if you had a PayPal issue, if you, I couldn't get into the site again, the download of the audio didn't work or the player didn't, uh, something. A lot of times it's just outlier stuff or like the CDN of the site is hip, hip, hiccup and you get a, you know, a, an extra click and a it, it weird bandwidth and you just, okay, just re- reload the page and just repress the button again. Uh, yeah. But anything like that, you can email me, jordanetheoryofdfs.com and James... Uh, if you have uh, any issues about the tools, question even if hey, even if you haven't bought the course yet, right? And you haven't bought it yet, and you want to ask about the tools, James at theoryofdfs.com. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm happy to answer any of those things. And like I said, kind of way earlier in this podcast, um, I, I'm I'm happy to listen to uh, like thoughts and criticisms and stuff like that about the tools in ways that'll make the tools better, right? Like when it comes to uh, doing work on the tools and and post-launch dev and stuff like that, I'm always looking to make things better for everybody involved. I'm not looking to change core competency of the tools, but if there's something that can make it better for everybody, I'm happy to hear it. Uh, You can reach out to me with any of that stuff, James at Theory DFS. um, And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked on how the tools turned out and I'm excited to see what they become over the next year. And people can find you at paydirt underscore DFS as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter and paydirtdfs.com for all of my projections, simulations, everything like that. A lot of free stuff over there too. Um, and join the Discord, obviously. There's a Discord link on the site. It's free to join. Join the Discord. Right, and I'm, 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 I'm in your Discord. Yep. I mean, I don't participate really. You said three things, but you're there. I'm, I'm there for mention. I'm basically there if someone right. mentions me. Like, yeah, I... I could see it at least just like in the Roto grinders discord. I am. Uh, so, uh, but I'm much, if any detailed stuff, I'm much more likely to answer via email 
Like when it's mm-hmm. not time sensitive, where it's like, oh, okay, I could go, I could put my thought process through it. So even if you do email me, if it's not a support question and just a like, oh, can you explain this a little bit better? Can you direct me to something like that? Maybe it's not immediate, but I'm typically pretty, pretty responsive via email. Uh, but you could find me in all those places. We're not, we're not hiding behind it. I just like, right. like there's, oh, here's, here's the stuff where bye-bye we're running away. I mean, I'm going, I'm going to Chicago for five days for, for wrestling stuff and vacation. So I'm going to be gone for a little bit. So I'll just have my phone or something. Uh, but I can still respond. I can say, yeah, oh, right. I've already done that. Right. People have mm-hmm. said, you die. Oh, oh, I, I didn't type in this code correctly. It's like, oh, like, I don't know why you didn't, but yeah, I'll issue it. That $15 credit, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll send it back to you on PayPal. I mean, like, I could do that on my phone, like that type of stuff. So, but the James, the, the, the fact that you updated the tools and I, I don't even know is beautiful. I don't even have to worry about it. You just re-upload and everything like that. And when I get back, uh, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see, I'll, I'll see if you, if you, are you going to keep, are you going uh, lastly, I know we're going along. Are you going to keep some type of change log? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm gonna keep it. We'll we'll talk about how to add it on it, the it site. It could be it, even if it's not on this. I'm even, dude. I'm even talking about just internally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have changed log. I have the things that I've already done. Um, just because it, it is it's important, and and as we continue to go through, and like I, I'll very likely want to give updates either on Twitter or something like that right. about how the tools have changed and the the differences that we've made. I, I could I could create a change log page on the on the. Yeah, it would be nice to have it just so that people know, like, oh, well, if you downloaded this the first day, like, here is this date, here's the changes that were made, here's the things that were affected. You know what would make it easier easier for me? Uh, you make it on your site, your change log, and I just put provide a link to it on theoryofdfs.com. Cool. Okay, right? that'll work. So you could tweet it out, I could tweet it out, whatever, but it's obviously a place where you, it's of your domain, and then under the tools, like, in each course, each tool download there will be a button or there will be a link that says view change log, view change log, yeah. change, right? And so we don't have to update that page and just anytime you go, you could feel free to view the change log or I'll, I'll make, I'll even make a, a redirect because I know I'm, yeah. I'm a web person. Like you didn't know how to do that for God knows how long of theory of DFS.com slash change log. So even if people don't know your website or anything, right. Like that, that link will always go there. And even if you change the page on your site, all you have to do is tell me and I change the forwarder yeah. and you'll always be able to go there. So that may not be up, cool. obviously, when you, if people are listening to this now, it's not going to be up yet, but that's something that we'll do because yeah. I think that would be helpful for users. I agree with that. Absolutely. Okay. And if you ever want to, uh, hey, if you didn't buy the first course, why don't you do that first? Listen to the 15 hours of audio. Yep. Right? Get your basic concepts down and then, Go here. But it, like I said, uh, if you've been playing for a while, if you've been playing, if you have a subscription to Roto-Grinders, if you have projections, if you have ownership, if you have some of this stuff, like, and you didn't buy the first course, like, while I'm being real here, while it would probably be, still be beneficial for you for the first course, like, you could kind of skip right to this course, right? Because if you understand kind of what you're kind of just the basics of that, uh, you will, you could still get a lot of, out of the advanced course, but some of the concepts in the advanced course, if you're not, they're not going to be, hev- they're, they, some of them are refreshed quickly, but if you don't get it within like, you know, a 20 second refresher, that is a 20 minute thing in the previous course. Right. Well, 
don't come and ask me and say, I got the advanced course and you say relative value. And you go, I don't know what that means. You go, well, it's explained in detail in the previous, like it is, this assumes I say in the first chapter, this assumes that you have consumed all of that content. Mm-hmm. Just want to give all those disclaimers, go to theoryofdfs.com, and, uh, and we'll be back under a, a regular schedule, uh, starting, uh, in two weeks with the, the first NFL slate of the year.